episode 282 with a special guest. That's a guest. Friend. Ooh. Friend's back. Let's Admiral's go. here. Yay! It's a busy man. He's a busy man. And we've been also very busy. With a plan. There is a plan now. <laughs> we do have a plan. There is a plan in place. It's a little bold. It's a little crazy. A little zany. But the Overwatch League for its 2023 season is... Does exist. Does exist. It is happening. We know that for sure. And it's quite different. So if, if you, like I, am utterly, mostly confused, hopefully this will be informative to you. But gentlemen, Avril especially, how are you, my friend? I'm keeping up. <laughs> trying to keep up with all the madness keep of what the season looks like. Uh, <laughs> it'll be fun. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, and especially the integration with the contenders should be pretty out there. I mean, it's really uh, it's my calling card. It's the moment I've been waiting for. We're we're combining contenders career basically with uh, with APEC Overwatch League. Holy damn! I'm ready for it. I'm here. I've arrived. I mean, could you could you not like find a better person that has done both, right? Like, is there not like a better resume to just like plug into this and just be like an expert in both? Why not? It's it's like you said, it's your calling card. So can't can't wait for that to get finally started. Giska, no. how many times have you died in Tarkov in the last two days? Uh, I mean, considering I was real life uh, living. Um, True. I, I guess before. Before the show, we played a couple of. I, I, I think I extracted twice only out of five, right? So, eh, yeah, dying I mean, quite a lot. Not, not horrible for for a game as punishing as that. But how was your vacation? How was how was traveling to the to wherever you traveled? Dude, I feel like I did a dopamine fast. Like things that yeah. didn't used to be funny are now very funny again. And okay. like I, I gotta catch up to. I, I feel like things that were funny before are a lot right now. So I just got to get to my level of degeneracy and 3xing again. I, I, I did sleep a lot. I feel like, yeah, I feel pretty rejuvenated from, from the league. Of course, I will say, like, as you may imagine, I, I received the news a little bit <laughs> with a little bit of a head start. Um, and I had, I had some time to digest these changes for a while. I was super curious how the community would receive this. I, I th and pretty much what I thought was going to happen did happen. It's like the mm -hmm. big guiding features are the talking points, and there's too much complexity to really look at a couple of these issues that I mean, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it, but like there's 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 definitely some stuff where I'm just like, okay, <laughs> right? Uh this I guess it's not a competitive integrity season, like once again. Uh, there's definitely some some sore spots here that, like you said, we will definitely get into. But before we dive into the 2023 and all of its detailed full glory, but we still don't know the schedule, which is also kind of. But I'm sure we'll be getting that too, because technically this was just the first update. We'll probably be getting a second update in the coming weeks. Right. Uh, but episode 282 is brought to you by you, the fans and the patrons and the people who support the show, um, with your love and support. So. 
This episode is brought to you by Avril Vista Bebe, Battle Crab, Refine Bean, Bronze Bot, Buhau, Picasso, Chris R3444, Kasha67, Lol Shin, Portshop Sammy, Rexane, and our YouTube members, IMDRW, Brother Adam L, Sagifumi, Ice Angelo, Fire Element 6, AK, and Chris R. We've got contender teams in both regions, technically. Either way, that was that was really quick. We got through that so quickly. Usually when I'm here, it's like a two hour long intro and then we read the <laughs> and then we do the patron list and then we do another three hour show after the two hour intro i just try to get that done Things out of the way change, so we can apparently. just, we can just roll into like the fun bits <laughs> where we just go hey we have a one punch man collab now thoughts there like why not attack on titan we had a whole episode dedicated to attack on titan i don't know if people remember that but you know Thoughts? there's anime crossovers all over the place i don't know if you've seen these thumbnails but you know, they exist. <laughs> I mean, Attack on Titan the, season three, part seven is also coming back. True. Avril, yeah, I mean, it's been it's it's been a little bit. So, like, Avril, I think we needed like an AOT update. Are you just like I've, I've six, I, really quickly? I've successfully thrown us off track <laughs> as part of my plan. It's worked. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the, only, the only thing about this last season of AOT is mm -hmm. like. For a manga reader like me, it's like, damn guys, catch up. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like right. it's only just coming out. Like finally. Like what's taking so long? Like yeah, to right. me, AOT already ended so long ago. It's so just now it's just like, what's going on? Like, how... I, I'll watch it. It'll be fun. It'll be enjoyable. Yeah. But um, yeah, I couldn't imagine being an anime only watcher and being like strung out for this long, being strung out for years at a time with like. All the different parts like we've been on season three we've been on this final season for like four seasons now yes yep. <laughs> so come on i will say i initially Just by under the way how i would describe the overwatch league <laughs> hands up if you there go, we go. Start, start anyway. it back bring it back anyway i i i feel like i underestimated how much i enjoy seeing things animated and like a little bit fleshed out where the mangas just leave space, you know. I I enjoy still enjoy watching Chainsaw Man, even though I'm up to date on the manga there, right? Like, I feel like especially if your design studio does it re really well, it really adds value to the content. Yeah, no, agreed there. Um, I don't watch any other anime. <laughs> which is which is. Forever perplexing to me because it sounded like you really got into AOT and maybe there's just like specific like boxes that you check, but either, either way. Yeah. What, I mean, do you guys have any thoughts with the one punch man stuff? Is that just kind of like a cool thing? Is this like a positive thing for like the IP and maybe some trickle over into the, I got a thought. Know, I got a thought. Okay. 16 minutes ago, this got tweeted out. We're catching this, this? live, Why? baby. We're getting this hot off the press. Uh, a movement rider skin for Soldier 76. Oh no. Wow. Oh no. <laughs> movement rider. Oh no. Wait, I'm, I'm switching, Eric. I love movement rider. He's one of the best. He's such an, an amazing character. <laughs> Just. I mean, I'll take further, like. There's I, meant I, to be a whole set. There's, there's going to be more. Oh, there's, there? there's, okay. It doesn't stop here. I don't know exactly how many, but there's going to be several hmm. of these One Punch Man skins coming out. Would f okay, let's see. Who would the who who would these characters be? Who would be like the uh the explodey guy that's like also S tier? You know who I'm talking about? Blonde hair guy, Robo dude. Genos. 
Genos, yeah. Who would be Genos? Would it be Farah? Everyone said Genji. Oh, yeah, said Genji, Genji, Genji. Genos. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Someone said, someone really perverted said Ryan should be Puri Puri Prisoner. I'm like, you just want to see a naked Ryan. I understand. <laughs> just admit that's what you want. Don't lie to me. Wouldn't Ryan just be king? King, king is like a fake... I probably shouldn't spoil it. I mean, Ryan is kind of a myself. fake hero in Overwatch 2 so far, right? Like, That's toxic. LH Cloudy would debate you on that. <laughs> and only him, pretty much. Actually, Genji could be Sonic. The Hedgehog. Oh, true, true. I mean, yeah, I suppose. Both ways. Isn't there like a, isn't there like a ninja character later on in the show, right? Mike? Sonic literally has the Genji aesthetic and even the sword. Okay. And I'm pretty yeah. sure the shurikens as well. That actually would make the most sense. But it is dope, right? Like, it, it. I feel like this is very tailored to this audience. It's, you know, very... The crossovers are there, right? Like, people who are into Overwatch, probably pretty in, you know, at least have dabbled in the realm of anime. And this is definitely one of the, the, the gateway animes, I would say, of this generation. Um, so it feels kind of like a match made in heaven, right? Too bad they won't do another season. It's you're telling me the Overwatch League is Overwatch League has what we up to six now. Sound like them. This is season six or five. Why am I confused? It is season six. Six. You're telling me we made it to six seasons of the Overwatch League and One Punch Man can't do a season three. (laughs) Ah, true, true. And the, the manga keeps going like. At rapid paces, right? You know what I'm gonna. You know. You know what this is gonna do to me? It's gonna turn me into a One Punch Man manga reader too. Oh, I'm about really? to be a bigger manga reader than an anime watcher, of which I'm I, really not very much of. <laughs> so, I will say the art um, is an interesting journey, and like the story of the the mangaka, the artist for One Punch Man, is very. Is, uh, is kind of the artist is dead. Okay, and okay, no, I'm not going there. But um, the, I think the, the interesting part is also that Overwatch seems to have just taken the approach of having Overwatch characters cosplay their respective uh, yeah. costumes, right? Like, it's not like Fortnite where you literally become the character. Yes. And uh, Yeah, you're not actually Thanos with his glove, no. Right. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I will say there's a couple of things that are interesting to these integrations to me. The first one is the obvious one in terms of like, as far as I know, the guy has, that has been finagling these deals for Fortnite has been <laughs> the old old name that Overwatch League fans might be interested in, but I think I'm pretty sure like Nate Nanza had a lot of uh, like say in these deals for Fortnite, right? So it's interesting mm-hmm. that we're only now like I guess the same guy could have done that like in 2018. Maybe the vision wasn't there. Um, I will also say I've watched. I've watched was too pure back then. Yeah, True. I will also say there was like during this whole shebang of like internal Blizzard issues, uh, with around especially like the Overwatch two production rollout and now whatnot. There was this mm-hmm. thing where some uh, disgruntled uh, Blizzard workers like basically expressed that there was an entire fad project being dropped on their, onto their desks uh, during the development. And I always felt like the way they framed this, it was basically like these cross uh, activations, right? And I think like 
having everything like this dropped on your de desk is pretty overwhelming. But I'm I'm glad it finally happens because I, I feel like that's that's a pretty cool um way to just activate and bring bring new interest and new fan bases into your franchise. It's just like a win win for everyone, right? Especially when it's I've, free to play, right? Like there's no I've yet to, to I've yet to see anybody negatively speak yeah. about the collab. Yeah. Like you're either you're either loving it or it doesn't really matter to you and you don't really care. I've yet to see anybody or or maybe you're a little bit of a little bit apprehensive like oh I don't know how far is Overwatch going to take this collab. So no one's like oh man this is bullshit. Yeah. Fuck Overwatch. This is bad. Like I don't I've, I've yet to see that. Mhm. Mm yeah, no, and Just I think a good that's, sign. That's a really good sign because that that I feel like does point to that you know cross pollination uh, vector that they have to have seen at this point, um, and hopefully we get some more in the future. I know that you know I think in a in an interview recently, one of the developers or even multiple developers uh, talked about like what their dream collabs could be with other shows or other IPs from you know, the anime space. I think that would be also super dope. Um, again, I think a lot of those same, um, I think a lot of those same people who have tried or maybe even career Overwatch players probably still, you know, either consume or would be really, you know, readily activated, engaged, let's say, big bunny ears around those, those kind of buzzwords. But I think they would definitely come back and, you know, participate in some, some limited time events, let's say, which I think is always a good thing. But especially because... One of these skins is I'm pretty sure the Saitama skin is the free one. Surely. Yeah. One of the skins will be free. Mm -hmm. So And if there's if there's supposed to be a set of them, I'm sure they're gonna come out with like more and more characters that, you know, people are like attached to and wanna like have that skin or think this just the skin's cool, right? Like that's one thing that we can definitely glow about with, with Activision Blizzard and what they've done with Overwatch is all of these skins are like really, really dope. Right? Like they're mm -hmm. super cool. We'll want them. Can can I make a confession? And say like in in for Warzone, I both got the uh, Scream one and the Snoop Dogg one. Like I I I like these cross uh, activations yeah. for sure. Like you didn't get the Levi one. Levi? Uh, no, I didn't. I, that looked too ass. I'm sorry. Fake fan, bro. Fake fan. That nah. That looked shit. Like if it was actually just anime Levi, maybe. But like that shit nah. looked ass. <laughs> you're you're fucking not valid for that i'm gonna keep it a, a buck as the kids say but you know who's trying to get some bucks some of these pro-am teams the pro hyphen we've, we've done teams. the mandatory off topic now we can move on <laughs> i'm saying so, i'm stated 2023 <laughs> kicking off early in march i guess mid-march with the the western divisions pro-am which is going to feature do we have a a actual number here? I'm gonna I'm just gonna play the ignorant part, but not really play it because I just am because I don't know. Um, do we have an actual number of how many contenders teams would be playing against all of the Western Overwatch League franchises? Is that confirmed? Uh, I think there was something in there. I guess this is where we uh, ask our chat yeah. GP Eric. <laughs> Uh, there'll be 20 teams competing in total. So if Correct. there's say, 12 Overwatch League teams in the West, then they're made up, made up of eight. Potential. Okay. Okay. So which we're, we're which is which comes from a 256 open sign up Swiss right. stage. So up to 256 teams open. 
Which I'll be curious about how many teams are going to enter that. Like, if we hit the limit of 256, that'll be super impressive. Uh, and this for both NA and, and EU, so both uh, those regions get to participate. And, um, yeah, then they get to play, they play their own double ELIM bracket, I believe. And from that, they decide the winners right. into the Pro-Am, if, if I'm reading correctly. Yep, and then those, once those winners are decided, let's work with the number of eight, you know, contender teams being, you know, included in this exhibition tournament, this Pro-Am. Uh, they get filtered into four groups of five, and then top two from each of those groups go on to play in a single Elin bracket um, for a 100k prize pool. Pretty dope, you know? This is this is pretty sweet. Cool opportunity for contender team to play against some of the pro pro opposition. And I mean, we, could, we, we could even just start at the contenders versus Overwatch League thing to begin with, because that's been like a talked about, you know, kind of, it's been a conversation that's been running for several years now about what that would look like. Should it ever happen? Can it happen? What do we want it to happen? Would the fans want it? Would the teams want it? Right. I think that the, the fans had always been curious. Like, it, it, I, the, the sentiment had shifted from early, I think 2018. 2018 was definitely like the peak. How do I want to describe it? I wanted to use the word delusion, but it doesn't need to be that aggressive. Like the peak, disillusion? the peak ignorance, the peak peak ignorance era, where everyone was like, yeah. "Oh, the Overwatching teams are definitely the best in the world." Mm-hmm. Little did we know that. Well, <laughs> the base ones knew. Little did the people know that the twelve teams in season one were like heavily nepotism teams with some really shit players on them for some of the teams, and like you had some actual god tier teams and players like Runaway still in contenders at the time. And then we heavily shifted. You see Runaway come in as Vancouver Titans. They smash the league. They don't win it, but they actually come second as a full rookie team, quote-unquote, as a full contenders team. Um, and a lot of respect comes back for contenders. 2019 was also the year of uh, contenders gauntlet. So contenders got a lot of, like, eyeballs that year in terms of, like, oh, wow, these contenders players and teams are actually legit. And so now I think we got... An, a, to some degree, we almost went in the opposite direction for a little while. We're like, I think the contenders teams, some of them are le- like legitimately better than maybe 50% of the Overwatch League. Mm. Um, yeah. And so then we started having this conversation about like, yeah, so if the contenders teams actually played against the Overwatch League, I think these contenders, some of the contenders teams, the top ones would do exceptionally well because, you know, there'd always been the rumors about Atlanta Academy beating the Atlanta Rain franchise yep. team about how good O2 Blast were versus Shanghai in 2021, right? All these rumors and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I guess for obvious, quite obvious reasons, you know, no contenders versus Overwatch League thing ever happened. That The closest we had, to my knowledge, was Washington Justice going to Australia for um, a contenders final, contenders Australia final, where they were going to play an exhibition match versus the winning team. And then that didn't end up really happening, and they ended up mixing up the teams and playing an exhibition, like a fun all-star exhibition instead, which is, you know, not the most interesting thing to watch. True. And um, But it is what it is, because it, it didn't make a lot of... It makes a lot of sense for them to play against each other, but it doesn't make a lot of sense, because it's like, 
if if the justice win they just look like they're bullying a contenders team if they lose they get made fun of for losing to a contenders team there really is no winning for them there really is no positive outcome there so it makes sense why they didn't actually play the real match mm-hmm. so yeah but now we get to you know I, I guess the shackles are off a little bit and it's like well it's time to actually get into what tier two versus tier one looks like because I mean, I've been looking at CDL for a while, and they were open to doing proams. They did proams. They've done two years worth of proams now, in terms of two seasons. And even after the first one, even during the whole of last year, I was like, man, like I think we could be doing some proams at least. So here we are. Yeah. Yes, guy. Proam, pro or am? I feel like it's yeah. unfortunate that this happens during the time that, you know, Contenders is arguably at its weakest and. <laughs> I, I also oh, that's why they're doing it now boom got him <laughs> i also like realized that this is also probably one of the better measures in order to get it there again because there's two two aspects to getting a good you know tier two scene going the first one is mm-hmm. like you need a broad player base right like you you just need to increase the amount of players playing this game so they then can trickle into the pro league. And then the second part is make the carrot as big as possible, right? So mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of achieved one. We got a new game and we got free to play specifically. So we presumably got a lot, a lot of new players in. Now the second one is to get the carrot as big as possible and make it approachable. And I think like for a long time, it didn't feel that approachable. If you If you have to go through like, so many different steps, and needless to say, the ga- big gatekeepers at the end. And I will say, initially, I, I, I think for good reasons, I, I hated the system of having to only be able to join the Overwatch League um, through, you know, general managers being able to sign you. I think now, realistically, like general managers are pretty good selectors of at least people that know about talent. I very yep. seldom feel like there's very obvious talents left outside of Overwatch League that where I'm furious that they weren't picked up, right? That's probably not happening anymore. What we always did miss, and I think I have, I have some tweet thread about this in terms of, like, over from Valorant. One of the sure. biggest names in Valorant would have probably never gotten there if it had been for the general manager system. Uh, and the gatekeeping there. And that's um, Boaster from Fnatic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, none of those guys would have been picked up by any orc. And if you don't get picked up, like, the, the best you can do is, like, win a lot in Tier 2. But even there, there's some doubts, especially if someone is older, like Boaster in that situation was. In Overwatch, you probably have, would have had no chance to be picked up. Now there's a definitive way to to showcase that. And it also creates an additional incentive for these Overwatch League franchises, if they can be arsed, to hopefully have a roster that's better than than their um, th- than the contenders' rosters. And they're hopefully, I mean, this is where I have no idea how they're going to do all of this because in a world where we have only where we have minimal player protection of uh, Overwatch League contracts, and in a world where you. D- direct have direct power level comparisons what mm-hmm. like if i'm a minimum rost or i guess it's not absolute min but like the the tier above absolute min 
what bars me from just kicking all my players and picking up the contenders team that just beat everyone? Maybe that's how it should happen always. Maybe that's that's an argument of that sh uh, having to happen. But yeah, there's there's some continuity issue. There's some competitive integrity issue there. Like when can you sign those contenders sure. talents? Can I sign during the playoffs period when I'm playing them like in APAC while I'm while I'm in these uh, you know stage playoffs? Or I guess we're not talking about stages anymore, but like splits. I guess we can call them now. I'm not. Uh, They're probably better off as splits, but technically the the verbiage that the Overwatch League has used thus far is still stages. So we have the spring right. stage and the summer stage. So okay, right. We know what you mean. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, th I have a lot of question marks. I think a lot needs to be ironed out in, in, in terms of like how all of this is going to work. There's a ton of other competitive integrity issues that have been introduced with this. Um mm -hmm. I mean, the the one obvious one is is in terms of like what about academy teams? Even though we don't have sure. many more any, anymore, but the partnership teams, we have um, one right? We have O2 <clears> Blast. <throat> like that. What like what is what happens? And I'm not sure if that technically clarifies as a partnership team or a academy team. I don't think it, in in practice it makes too much sense either, uh, difference either. But there's also a thing, and I'm okay. Don't quote me on this, but this is what I've been told is mm -hmm. that the way two-way players work now is that two-way players can be given to any contenders team. Right. And that's obviously a competitive integrity issue if that two-way player then plays it against your team in uh, in a lockout stage in, in APAC, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for the Pro-AM, yes, there's competition there. I'm not sure how serious that is taken, maybe it should be taken seriously considering the amount of prize money in comparison to the prize money that we can expect for the Overwatch League, and therefore it becomes kind of important. I'm not sure if I would have liked more crossover into like incentivization of everyone taking the Pro-AM seriously for, you know, in comparison to the Overwatch League. I think a lot of teams won't take it as seriously. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's I, I feel like I expected this announcement to have way more meat on the bone than it already did, but maybe it doesn't have that for a good reason. Um, and we're only getting the additional information down the line and once we get there. But I'm, I'm really... I'm really getting a little annoyed. I feel like a lot of the time it's just like, we'll figure it out when we get there. And I hate that as a concept. It's also... Most of the time, you suck at improvising last-minute uh, solutions. Like, you're really bad in the clutch. Your shit sucks almost exclusively when it comes to referee decisions of, like, boosting uh, positions and whatnot. Like, you, the consistency of your rule sets there, the, the way this is communicated to teams, that, right? Like, this, it, yep. most of the time, it's clown shoes. So, yeah. Um, the thing is... I, I, of course, like, I thought about how to approach this. Is A, teams, the folks don't care that, about that that much. The second thing is, can we really afford competitive integrity in this, in this situation? To, or to what degree? Is it in public interest? But it's also, unfortunately, shit has to hit the fan until anyone cares. Um, sure. That's just, like, I've, I've been... I'll definitely, like... Probably like I was a week off. We'll we'll get to it next week, but um, 
yeah, I think there's there's some some stuff that should have been figured out because sometimes like the competitive integrity issue should bar you from making that decision in the final draft. And yeah. So is it is it fair to say that generally for the pro am for the Western pro am, Yiska, you're a little bit more positively apathetic. But like for a bigger picture, you're you're hopeful for maybe future change. Is that fair to kind of summarize? Yeah. Um, I mean, is there a change that you have, you know, shooting from the hip here off the top of your head that would make you a little bit more interested in this? Intre oh, um, I mean, I, I think I'll be interested. I think there's a natural the, the thing that we've always observed is that mm -hmm. for some reason everyone cares a little bit more, including the players, about the stage one championship than everything else sure. because you come out of the uh, the long off season, everyone's really motivated to perform, make an early statement on the, about a title claim and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. like, if you guys think back, for instance, about the shock against the Titans, like, everyone was devastated to win or lose that stage. Same is true for London. Like, mm -hmm. tears are rolling, like, Pine is saying, like, at this moment that we lost, I didn't know if I wanted to live anymore. Or shit like this. We're going oh out, <laughs> out on broadcast. Like, like everyone takes the stage, stage one titles very seriously. I think to a degree, we'll, like, everyone's is probably going to, like, oh, well, we have been scrimming, like, for only three weeks before the Pro-AM, mm -hmm. and we'll, we won't take that, that, that seriously. Okay, boy. I want to see your face when you sit in that chair and you have to compete and there's this contenders team that's pissing you off. Maybe they're teabagging you. I want to see how little you care in that case. You're, you're going to care, my friend. Like that's, It's just a competitive nature and you also probably are sick of ha having sat around on your ass for the last five months. Sure. So um, I, I think there's probably... It probably will turn out to be taken more or more seriously than... Maybe warrants in terms of the uh, the format. Um, it, it's another thing of what do we assign value to, and why do we assign so much value or intrinsic value to uh, the season playoffs overall? I think this is just a nice little season point. That cups like in European football, we have these. Sure. Yeah, they're not considered that big, but in the moment. They feel like the world. So, I don't know. I, I feel like this... I don't have an issue. Should ha should there have been more incentivization towards like Overwatch League teams taking this seriously going into the season? It's really hard to make this a good decision. Sure. No, makes sense. I think maybe throwing this to Avril for a moment, like from a broadcast perspective, like both looking at, you know, we'll get into like what the APAC format looks like, but even with the Pro-Am... It's like, you know, these are like these these stories feel like they write themselves from so from a broadcasting perspective. Are you guys do you feel like you're you yourself are you excited to kind of get into like maybe a potential run, maybe looking at how how these groups kind of file out? Is there going to be some kind of show? Is there, you know, like from from the actual broadcast side of things, are you kind of excited to see, you know, a potential run from a contenders team maybe taking the pro am? Again, small possibility, but like the fact that it could happen is that you know tantalizing for you? It'll be fun. Well, I don't think I'll be part of the program, but like it'll be fun. Um, right. I mean, 
I don't see a downside. I don't. I don't see it like I think. It, I think the whole. I'm not. When I say pro am, I'm just going to refer to the whole thing that includes East as well, even though theirs is, has a has a bit more difference. Mm -hmm. Um, there's it's overall a net positive for the league and the esport mm -hmm. with some kinks to iron out. I think is I think the that's the position. Um, and I think it's it'll be good for the broadcast. Like it'll it'll have some variety because I think one of the issues with the the teams as well is is you know on some level it's it's like good to see the same twenty teams all the time because it builds some level of consistency. But on another level, it's like man, it's getting a little bit I don't want to say boring, but uh, very samey. I don't know if it's getting a bit stale, which is ironic because some of the teams, like a good portion of the teams, every year just blow up their whole rosters and just completely reshuffle the new roster. Right. Um, but adding some new lifeblood in where you get to see a little bit more, you know, a few different faces and some contenders in there. And um, I actually think the contenders versus Overwatch League games will have super high stakes. Yep. Forget about the money for a second. Just consider the reputations at stake where it's like the contenders teams absolutely want to beat the Overwatch League teams, like without a shadow of a doubt. And the Overwatch League teams do not ever want to lose to the contenders teams. So both sides will be treating those specific games with like the utmost importance, I feel. So in terms of like personal stakes, those games should be really high. And I think that's kind of what I'm personally super jazzed to see how the league handles what or how these groups fill out, because I think there's a lot of potential matchups, maybe towards the bottom of the Western division, looking at, you know, the newly reintroduced LA Valiant now playing in the West, the Vegas Eternal, Maybe even going as far as, you know, looking at the Washington Justice, not the Vancouver Titans, definitely not them. They're going to be top seven. Um, hello. Welcome, Lords. Um, but looking at those teams versus the contenders matchups, you know, there's there's real upset potential there. There's real stakes. Like you said, you're the the franchise teams are very, you know, maybe playing w motivated by fear and the contender teams are, you know, trying to trying to upset the world, let's say shock the world. Hashtag. Um, but going, you know, maybe towards something that you're going to be a little bit more familiar with Avril yourself. Um, obviously something similar, but not so similar is happening over in APAC, right? We have actual teams playing for some, some pretty large stakes, um, playing as opposed to the inactual teams, those NAE inactual <laughs> those teams, invalid, vapid, yeah, those fake teams, fake teams, fake news. This uh, Pro-Am is sadly an exhibition, but I do think, you know, I'm going to go out here and speak on a limb or, or you know, something on a limb. I can't think of the word, um, but I, I do wonder if if this, you know, format that we're going to get into with APAC could be like a proof of concept and maybe we bring it to the West, maybe next season. Who knows? Well, the other thing is, is like, it's to balance out the teams. Right. Um, so obviously it's just, it's just different. Because mm. you you're gonna have like what's what the split right now is looking like twelve eight unless mm. it changes. So is it twelve eight? Is it is it worse than that? No, it's like fourteen six, isn't it? Because Valiant announced they are they're coming over as well. Right. So the split right now is yeah, is actually fourteen six until further notice. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a huge discrepancy in team numbers. Which is why the East is obviously going to have a little bit more integration with the contenders teams. So it's like the discussion, like could could NA add more as well as like, yeah, maybe like a few more, maybe like a, you know, maybe to to bump the numbers up to like twenty or eighteen or something like that. But you wouldn't want a lot more. 
because because that then that then kind of you you have enough teams there that the level of variety is pretty high in in NA, and you also um you don't want to dilute the season down by kind of well was, is it bad to extend the season longer yes and no i don't know like the more teams you add in the bigger your format has to be to accommodate all those teams sure. and the longer your season will have to be and i think a lot of people like yeah i wouldn't mind a longer season but at the same time the length of the season gets added not in the important games or like the massive like mid-season stage final type games it gets added in the regular season so really you're just getting a a, a kind of more bloated regular season i don't know if people necessarily want that so it's I don't know if it's going to be appropriate for the West for now. And Definitely. if it is, may, only by like one or two teams, really, just to even out the numbers yes. further. But for the East, it's like almost necessary because there's only six teams officially left at the moment. Yeah, I, it's definitely... It, it seems like a huge um, creative win from the Overwatch League office and how they're handling you know, what's happened in APAC and obviously with the, the Netties breakup and whatnot. Um, so I think this is a really interesting idea. Very, you know, again, probably the word of the show is probably going to be bold. Like it's very just changing it, not for change's sake, but to really try to get at the heart of, you know, what esports is, what maybe, what could you do? What could you experiment with a broadcast? Um, and I think that that's, it should pay off quite, quite heavily, obviously having contender teams competing on stage for actual stakes, you know, again, I'm going to reference, you know, some of the, the plat chat, you know, uh, comments that uh, I think Sean Miller had answered, but like there are contenders teams with, again, possibilities of competing offline at the midseason madness competing in the playoffs. And, and possibly there's, there's a very slim probability that this happens, but a contender team could win the overwatch league, right? Like that's, those are real stakes. Those are some serious, some serious things to play for. That's not something to sleep on. And Yiska, is there? I think you you mentioned the competitive integrity thing, you know, more in the the pro am. But is this kind of where your buck stops? Is this where you're getting a little heated? Red flags. That contenders teams can win the Overwatch League? Not really. Less that the contenders teams can win the Overwatch League, but like the implication of contenders teams playing against maybe their counterparts, O2 <clears throat> Blast um in offline events internationally yes right? i mean c come on like <laughs> it, I, I agree there's a slim probability i have more of a question mark in terms of like the two-way players if the if teams actually are going to utilize that i think it's practically here's here's my thing practically all of this is probably not going to be as big of an issue you don't want practically you want Ideally, this is airtight, okay? Like, you don't want, theoretically, one of your two-way players. If if that rule change is true, by the way, I should uh, caveat that. But you shouldn't want your two-way player to be able to play against you in an Overwatch League Grand Finals and put that conflict of interest into that match, right? You shouldn't want um, your academy team being against you at any point in the bracket, right? Okay. That's a conflict yeah. of interest that should never happen uh, in any competition, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I 
in that sense, I dislike it. I've assumed, I'll be honest, when I saw that T1 roster drop and I knew about the partnership uh, approach in APAC already, I thought, okay, they probably made everyone cancel their academy teams. If if that pro O2 partnership or academy team, I don't know what that is in the first place with Shock, but if that still persists, that's a problem. I assumed that was just going to be going away because of the way T1 dropped, right? Um, so, yeah. I mean, it still can, right? Like, you can, you the, the San Francisco shot can divest interest in, you know, supporting O2 and, and, and cutting all ties there ahead of the season. And we don't have these issues, correct? You That, sure. that would kind of clear them. Sure, you. maybe you would need to make them. And then again, I wonder that the. I, I think the argument then is the way that the Ocho, uh, that Uto Blast and Shock have moved the last couple of off seasons prior to this partnership was it not already yeah. one where they already exactly. were pretty cozy and w how do you prevent that you from happening that? like that yeah. there's probably not much you can do and from that point you can almost argue that in effect it doesn't matter that much it's also like another reason to never go back to academy teams as well right like this sure. is also uh something that's unlikely to happen um so yeah in in that regard i i understand that like this is a sexy solution i just don't know i think you should probably require everyone to drop their connections you should probably figure yeah. out how to have a system that's sustainable for tier two organizations in Overwatch at large, so they can sustain themselves without being in an academy roster and or partnership team that's otherwise financially supported through this, and um, f solve the issue that way. Of course, right. I agree that probabilistically this is probably the least likely season for it to occur, just because. As we talked about last year, uh, last episode, contenders has been ravaged enough. The system has been squeezed enough. The pipeline has been shut off long enough for this to not be a season producing S tier talent, the quality of which we saw last year, right? Mm -hmm. So, no, like, definitely picked her a little bit. But that same decision made last year. And maybe they didn't do it because of that, or I don't, right? Probably not. But that same decision taken last year, and we're looking at a completely different world, right? Sure. Now, yeah. of course, at the same time, it would have then meant that Proper would have had been able to play, uh, I guess, two years ago, uh, season four, would have been able to play there. <sighs> the thing is, like with with everything, how the rules look, mm, it it creates a very different environment in how in the incentive structure of how contenders teams sign themselves uh who's able to be on the broadcast i'd be interested to see if there's maybe even a a move or an incentive structure where contenders teams can somehow finance their way into playing into in the apec region being able to uh, play um that'd be interesting yeah right like I don't know. Like it would be super interesting. Laser kids again? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like maybe maybe someone someone uh, bets on uh, on Did a you bet Stockwell. With, with Isaac? Yeah. Shoutouts. Oh, 
Charlotte, you suck him, No, but basically, Is like, that it? like, like maybe there's some way where you could, uh, if you have a esports organization that for some reason has too much money at this point in time and wants right. to sponsor a cool story, maybe you just get mm-hmm. ex Oblivione out there to South Korea. They somehow win it and therefore they can play in the Overwatch League. They're probably not going to win anything there, <laughs> self admittedly, also by uh, Shockwave, but. Um, yeah, th- theoretically, that's interesting. If if there's if there was to be, maybe not this year, but as interest picks up, hopefully down the line, mm-hmm. uh, if we still have that system, of course. Yeah, I think that, practically, will it hurt much? No. Do I hate it at uh, at the core fiber of my being that we're designing rules this way, and? Do I really hope in an in a radical act of accelerationism that some freak team just comes up through Contenders Korea and owns their shit out of that region the entire time? Hell yeah. Because okay, like, now, now, to be fair, not to completely jump in and hijack your point, but we, we are focusing on Korea here for a moment, but the spring stage open kind of, I don't even know if it's fair to say, the qualifiers for, you know, these these partners teams i don't know if that's the verbiage that we're going to go with um but it does include south korea you know a lot of the apac region australia you know there, there's there's more uh, of a talent pool to put from than just south korea even though i i agree yeah. pro- it's probably just going to be south korean teams but like there, it is supporting the the wider region as a whole right sure yeah i think it's important it's still a net positive right? i think it's yeah. still a net positive everything is a net positive sure. at the end of the day Mm-hmm. If they can work out the minute mining issues yeah, there, mining. Okay. because like, like I'm going to refer back to the CDL here because when I look at uh, what they're doing and how they've been running Prime for two years, that they've been mixing that in with academy teams at the same time, yeah. including the most recent one they've actually had this year as well. It's like they haven't run into any issues yet, but I respect uh, Yiska's position that if if it does happen you you'd want to be prepared for it you want to know how to handle that when when it happens but uh that's like the only major concern is getting past all the competitive integrity issues yep um and the only one that exists now that i can think of is shock versus o2 and, and that would only happen point, yeah. in like mid-season madness and playoffs yep because o2 play in korea and they'd be playing in asia and shock play in na uh and they won't be meeting in the pro am because again different regions so they'd right. only meet in the true internationals, and even then, I'm not trying to skip ahead in topics here. We'll get to proper midseason discussion soon. But like, there's only six teams going to midseason, mm-hmm. and four of them are NA, two of them from Asia. So to actually for O2 to go to midseason madness, they would have to be top two in the eastern region, right? Among all the teams. Yep. Mm-hmm. And before everyone's like, well, yeah, they can do that. It's like, can they though? Because all the top talent from O2 basically it moved up to shock. And remember, like the rest of the the APAC Overwatch League teams have first dibs on just picking up whatever contenders create talent right. they want. This is this is where what Yiska said earlier was really important. It's like this is both the best and worst year to integrate contenders because uh, depending on what angle you're looking at at it from, the contenders teams are probably very unlikely to beat the Overwatch League teams this year, which is great for the Overwatch League teams. But it sucks if you want to see like really tight competition between contenders and Overwatch League because for the past two years the the level of like movement from contenders to Overwatch League has been huge. 
We've had so many rookies come through um, and such quality rookies as well that contenders across the board globally has been kind of like ransacked of talent, which is great for the league, but it does mean that when you finally integrate them together, contenders right now is going to struggle a little bit. And the, also the other issue is some of the really good players might be underage and now the age limit even being 17, it helps, but you know, it, it means specifically in the East, I believe now if you're any contenders team in the Eastern region, there's no point having players under 17 on your team. Right. Because if you make it through to playing Overwatch League teams, they're not going to play. So yep. what's the point in having underage, under 17 players? That's like a big, that's like a bit of a downside to contenders. Um, unless you are a team like Gen G used to be, who are no longer there. Gen G used to be Souls Academy team, where they had their own academy teams. Actually, O2's had academy teams. There's O2 and then O2 Academy in the past. Um, and if you if you want to have one of those teams and have like a bunch of 15, 16, 14 year olds, whatever on it, that's that's different. But you accept that those guys will, won't be qualifying through to the actual good stuff. They're not playing in midseason madness, none of that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the cost of having contenders a little bit more formally integrated into the Overwatch League on the Eastern side is that uh, you know, if you're under the age of 17, unlucky. I mean, I you I think you kind of brought this up, and I'm this is mostly a joke. But is there any like legal grounds that Blizzard can like try to dissuade like an O2 Academy and an O2 you know Blast from competing against each other? Like if they both were to qualify, let's say they both like, well they can't because if one team, assuming one team is full of underage kids, true, yeah, okay, then they no, are this, this is the... so yeah, they can't. No, this should just kind of. It, popped up a, a, a hellscape kind of a oddity I, idea in my head. That's why I said Korea, by the way, Joe, because yeah. feasibly yeah. the only problem that ever would... I mean, there's no other problem than um, than Autoblast, right? So yeah, yeah, my point being, like, if there was to be critical mass in Korea in terms of underappreciated rookie talent coming in, um, and Autoblast was able to lock those in, maybe even... Like, yes, you could absolutely sign them theoretically as they have to be eligible for OWL as well in order to play into these thingies. Yes, they could be signed, but who's to say that Chalk just says, yeah, no, don't, you know? Yeah. Like, they're technically feasibly not capable of, but if Shock tells you as the Academy roster, oh, we're looking to sign you next season, who's saying no? Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so... Um, and yeah, I realized the monetary offer there, like that, that is only like some, a deal that you can make if you're an academy team yep. and have the financial uh, backings of, you know, deferring the payment that you would otherwise get during that moment, maybe in the second half of the season as you demonstrated value in the first half of the season of your ability to scout really underappreciated talent, make it to midseason with a rookie roster or being auto blast, being connected to Overwatch, uh, sorry, to Shock and like, it's a very complicated situation. Yes, it's. I agree. It's a low probability. You never mm-hmm. want to conceptually be in that position, though. Sure, of course. Like that's of course not no. So yeah, I mean, is this is this like a wider esports like dilemma where it is having to become more of an entertainment product and thus like fringe conflict of interest? interest it's, cases kind of have to fall by the wayside i'm i'm, I'm sorry but like there's n- there's not much additional entertainment uh being valued here right the reason that you can't tell 
O2 Blast to cancel their sponsorship with Shock is because presumably you can't piss that, those guys off, right? That's the it's it's not for content. It's not, at least it's not in our neck of the woods. I could understand like maybe from the COD perspective where it's like you actually do have like a ton of financial, you know, investment. And I don't know the details of like what's going on with Shock and O2. It doesn't scream. A Keep bunch in mind, of, like, it's, it's absolutely possible that they did already like part. Sure. I don't know. Like, right. right? I'm just like talking about the hypothetical. But then yeah, you, you basically like. I think if you introduce this type of stuff and you allow contenders teams to actually make it to stages where they can compete against their mm -hmm. uh, sister teams, you need to design a system where there's no direct beneficiary Agreed. connection between these uh, rosters. It's just competitive integrity 101. And you, like, yes, other esports might not do it. I'm sorry, you're also not abiding by competitive integrity issues and you should be called out for the Mickey Mouse shit you're doing. The bureaucracy comes for you. It comes for us all. Um, I th There's been something that I think both of you have said that I do kind of want to like toss up a very, very you know, hyper ignorant point to and I want to see like who's going to bite on it. Um, am I baiting? No, I don't. I kind of still sort of believe this. Um, we do, Eric, and correct me if I'm wrong, we do have two heroes entering this season of the overwatch league correct two new heroes is that was that am i wrong in saying that april. there's one in april and uh, uh june is not hero and then it would be august comes in a hero mm -hmm. okay and is that would that be like in playoffs roughly prior they could have it like if uh, the overwatch okay, so be the prior to the public release they could have it for the summer split or that second hero could come in the playoffs okay so Knowing that we do have a potential two new heroes with two big, you know, patches probably backing them, is there a realm that maybe shifts your guys' opinion when it comes to like maybe the APAC contenders talent possibly doing a little bit better than we expected? Maybe not qualifying, but like getting a little too close for comfort, let's say. Because why? The because there's new heroes. Right, because there's a big shift, you know, it could be a huge patch, could shake up the meta a little bit too, you know, fast for teams, and lo and behold, maybe a contender team gets out in front and maybe does have a good no. read on the meta. No thanks. So? Okay. Well, why would they have a better, even if they have a good read on the meta, are the, are the Overwatch League teams not going to have a good read on the meta? Like, they would have to have a better read on the meta while having higher quality players and better talent, and I don't think they will. Yeah, I think okay. because even, even O2 Blast... Okay, cool. O2 Blaster are on a, a heck of a dynasty run right now, but they've just lost Max. They're probably going to lose Jumbun as well because he's eligible now. Mm. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, these teams, even the top teams like O2 Blast are getting ransacked for players because why not? Because, I mean, you know, yep. they're going to get shipped up to the actual franchise teams. It makes sense. So you're going to get left with he sang has gone as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, the, the, the what you've got left uh, uh they're just gonna they might be they might improve over time but they're not going to be as good and immediately as the players are leaving mm. so i don't I, I don't think they're going to get a better read than the overwatch league teams uh maybe they'll get a better read than some of them you know depending on the level of support the teams have but like o2 blast isn't going to have you know they'll they'll have better coaching than some of the low budget teams sure. are they are they going to be that much better coach than other teams um uh, you know are they is their player quality going to be that much better when 
do you know do you want to play i don't know how much ultra blast are paying their players and that's by the way sure. only one team would you rather play for that for, for a contenders team and go through the whole contender circuit to make into overwatch league mm. or do you want to just get signed by i don't know the guangzhou charge or somebody for 53k like yeah. why not you know what i mean like that's safe there's definitely some incentives to kind of levy around and i agree yeah there's there's definitely some some skill discrepancies to to account for yiska is there not much room to stand there I think like what your argument of like the, the hero adding some volatility to what's that and therefore bringing about like the the contenders. I think like yeah, there's something like when the patch hits too close, it's always going to make best better teams less likely to win. It's just pr more likely that the other bad teams and or mid teams in yeah, Overwatch yeah. League will be the beneficiaries of of that volatility. Right. Um, and Eric br brought up the. Some I think this was uh, inferred on Reddit uh, based on the uh, particular timings. Um, yeah, I think so. Hero timings, of course, going to be interesting. There, I'm just like sympathetic towards like th this is a big competitive integrity issue for which I don't have too big of an issue with because right. this is like this. Yes, I absolutely understand that this is something very hard to. Uh, design around and they it, it's really seems like they made an effort in order to you know delay the season start and make it palatable there make it very exciting that the new heroes coming in but at the same time not you know shitting on competitive integrity by giving it to the pro players like a day before or something so all of this mm. is like within reason like i i'm a fan of whoever designed this schedule with that in mind because it's it feels like the new heroes, the impact of those in terms of the volatility they will provide is relatively minimized um, towards like what it otherwise would be while also appreciating that we probably should mostly be playing the same version as the public is uh, and should be highlighting these new heroes. And I mean, there's plenty of incentive to make these heroes as good as they are. And they, they like basically every hero that has been reintroduced had has had their time in the sun Possibly for too long for some of them. Mm. Kiriko, cuff, cuff. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I don't hate that. Um, I, of course, hated the introduction of the new patch in, in terms of like uh, the mm -hmm. season format more. I will also say, unfortunately, there's probably not going to be um, leeway access of the new hero given to, or, or I don't foresee that happening. Um, mm -hmm. What Eric mentioned that that they may be, be getting earlier access. Um, I think the the problem is that it, it depends on how they roll out the entire promotional aspect of that hero. If you already know like a couple of weeks in advance what the hero abilities will be and what the lore is and whatever whatever, that's fine. Like they're like giving it to pro players and how the entire ecosystem works, that's not feasible if you want to have the hype created about your hero because it will leak. It very much will be. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's an interesting aspect of um, of this. I'm sympathetic to what's their uh, their 
difficulties there. So yeah, with that in mind, I, I believe them when they say they designed the schedule around this. And I'm mm. decently happy with, unless like, and, and then I can't cry if, if down the line, like when we get to the point, um, if hero integration becomes an issue with the outlined timing, well, then I'm just as stupid for not figuring out that there was a problem and then I'm not inclined to have an opinion sure. on it unless something significantly changes at this point in time. I wish we had a little bit more redundancies. Um, we've we've seen like delays on patches and like hero mm -hmm. rollouts. It felt pretty liquid here to... Yes, they had the whims of, of the game development aspect as well. Um sure. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm mostly more so than heroes. I'm more so interested how they're going to handle patch volatility because, sure. I mean, patch volatility in the off season has been crazy in terms of how delayed it was and how that was given to teams as well, right? So mm. we'll see. Agreed. Agreed. Kind of circling back to the spring stage qualifiers and the open bracket obviously for for apac um avril i wanted to kind of point this in in your direction obviously i think some of the the, the finer details of exactly how many teams or what the the actual promotion is going to be i think eric at the, the start of the show kind of ran with eight um but what the promotional you know aspect is still seemingly uh tbd as it stands currently but you know i i kind of poked you about some of the pro-am stuff, but obviously with a little bit more um, <laughs> information and a little bit more expertise when it comes to both the contenders teams and obviously casting APAC last year. Um, is there Are there any like storylines that you're super jazzed to get into? Are there like any, like trying to gauge your general excitement about like this, this again, this very bold new direction? I'm, uh, I'm hyped for the Soul Bowl. The Soul Bowl, yeah. okay. Yeah. Shout out to Zetas from my Discord for this for naming that one. I like the new that, yeah. the new rivalry. It's the same. Well, it's an old rivalry. It's it's Dynasty versus Fusion. The mm -hmm. what used to be the Spaghetti Bowl will now be the Soul Bowl because they're both Soul teams now. Soul Infernal versus Soul Dynasty. Uh, it's probably going to be what my my favorite upcoming <laughs> matchup of the next year. That was also, by the way, the only match last year that got played on land regularly. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm f I don't have confirmation. This is full speculation on my part, but I see no reason why every single APAC match it doesn't get played on land this year. Every single APAC match should be played on land this year because every team's in Korea, except yeah, for I, mean, I, I guess I, I guess unless Hunger Spark are doing, you know, Ray's making his his. Literal, he's he's making the Overwatch, he's making Chinese Overwatch World Cup team as Hangzhou Spark, and if they're still in Hangzhou and they're not in Korea, then that's going to be an exception. But otherwise, everybody's going to be in Korea, and I'm assuming that the contenders teams that make it in are going to be Korean as well, because unfortunately for Pacific and Australia, it's like the level. I mean, they you'd have to have a monster run from one of those teams to make it in, because uh, yeah, the Korean teams, despite having all their best players taken, this. It's still the best region, so mm -hmm. um, assuming that to be the case, everyone's in Korea. They're all and they're all going to be even if they're not in Seoul. They, that's the other thing is like, well, what if they're not in Seoul? There was a team in Contenders Korea last year, Team Diamond, who would take a train in from Busan where they were located to travel to the theater 
to play their live LAN matches twice a week. They would travel from Busan into Seoul to play their matches twice a week. Uh, and they had the biggest fan base as well. When I was in the actual, you know, uh, a theater, they easily, in my opinion, even more than O2 Blast, had the most fan support, at least vocally. I don't, I didn't, not in terms of counting heads, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know how many people specifically were fans of what team, but in terms of who was sharing the loudest and, sure. you know, how much hype there was, that team from Busan, Team Diamond, had the most hype in terms of uh, fandom. So there's that. And they're a team from outside of Seoul. So that's mm. not even an issue. Um, and you're not going to get a team from outside of Busan. I don't think I don't think that's really sure. possible. You're either going to be everyone's going to be in Seoul except for a couple of exceptions. You the, the team diamond point kind of is an interesting aspect that I I wonder again. Presumably, there there should be no real you know obvious reason as to why some of these games or or just all of the APAC games should not be just played offline. I, you know, in a land environment. Um, but, you know, you, you talk about how this Team Diamond team that, you know, maybe for contenders, you know, Faithfuls isn't a super obscure name, but, you know, for to me, it feels, you know, a little bit more fringe. Um, but to hear that they had so much support is, is really eye-opening. Do you think that in a very, you know, almost catalyzing that same kind of, you know, fervor and rallying around the underdog, could that same kind of element be applied to some of these you know, possible offline environments with some of the contender teams as they get introduced into, you know, the Overwatch League? Could they be kind of the, like the new fan favorite, the new runaways, maybe? Why? Maybe. But like, I think, uh, I think it's just going to be real fertile ground for fan sport and career in general. Sure. So, you know, like if every game or almost every single game, aside from maybe Hangzhou, depending on where they are, gets played on, by the way, Yaki just got announced to Gladiators. If they all get played on uh, land, that'll be super hype, and you know that'll really increase the level of fan support there. And um, I, it already was good. Like you know, I I I, I get informed that the attendance numbers for Contenders Korea were pretty reasonable. And uh, when they did the Philly versus Seoul uh, match, was it one or two that they did? I think it was the one they did. That was it. Was it was they knew it was going to be sold out, so they had to they gave away. They did the ticket, they didn't give them away, you had to buy them. They did the ticket purchases by lottery. Because mm. it, it, it was over capacity that quick. Right. They, and they knew, it. they, they preceded it because they knew it was going to happen. That's why they did a lottery. And obviously, even through the lottery, it, it obviously filled up, I think. Uh, several thousand people couldn't get in because they didn't win the lottery. Like, way more people. Like, five times the amount of people wanted to go than the venue could fit or something like that. Mm. So, I mean, the demand is, is there. So... Sure. Is, it'll be super good. It'll be like really great for the East region to have that. And that's, I, I like that as a point of difference as well because, you know, the West can't really achieve that at the moment, but they can do more homestand style stuff where, you know, Battle Texas, et cetera. They, I'm sure they'll be doing plenty of those. That's all in the teams to organize though. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, the, the East gets to do their own little thing there that, that is kind of unique to them because everyone's going to be based in Korea for the most part. Um, that'll be super fun and exciting. So, I'm looking forward to that. I think you think you hit kind of hit the nail on the head there when you talk about like the fertile ground that like you have all this opportunity, literally all the opportunity in the world to like really tap into, you know, this market that is chomping at the bit to like go to these events and see, you know, the Soul Bowl or again, if there is just this this runaway esque, you know, underdog story that people really truly rally around. Not only is that beneficial for the product this season, but you know, maybe even 
you know, revitalizes some, what's the word, sustainability in, in, you know, Korean and maybe even Asia Pacific tier too, right? Like if you really can sell tickets and sell merch and drive content, some of these teams can kind of be saying And that's right? a big one. Driving content is a big one as well because mm-hmm. uh, Philly and Seoul last year did a, a reasonable amount of content with each other. Right. right. Reasonable being like they had some. More than most. They had, they had some, which is more than zero, which is uh, most teams had zero, guys. Most teams had zero, so <laughs> some is pretty good. It was so, also good yeah, content, but, to be fair. Hmm? It was also co- good content. Like the, the little thing yeah, with I the... I think so. With the stuff, with the, you know, little cards. A little thing with the stuff, very descriptive. The car pay and then the <laughs> names and like, I want to be yeah, a yeah, the little, I want to be little a game, yeah. yeah, the little like, the Korean style variety show yes. things they did with the, like a, like a team interview, but they did it as a little game. That kind of content was so good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, it, and it's always eye opening. And I think, you know, they, they, they have a great like blueprint. And I th- again, I think this is much more wider reaching than i think people tend to realize because again i i I think maybe we're underestimating how much people want to rally around like the underdogs as much as they might not be as skilled i think they are going to be some some kind of heartthrob teams that people really want to kind of rally around kind of like we did in the old days right you you want the absolute like maybe this is an omega copium take right but maybe okay oh my god i'm about to say this shit is it copium? No. Maybe, it- like, the Chinese teams being in that position is actually a blessing in disguise. Because if you can actually get everyone in one location, you get some dope uh, content production in place there, you actually have a real opportunity to opening up the Korean market or uh, the Korean or Asian player market, not sure. just to the Asian market itself, but also via translations to the Western market as well. Right, mm-hmm. I think like we we are now past the sixty percent threshold of Korean players in this league. The fact how little we un- we we make efforts to open up that type of personality, the type of content, like it, it's just not like we have Danny doing translations during interviews, and that's it, really, right. I, I mean, they 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 try to get him as much as they can. I would assume uh, I would I'm going to give the lead the benefit of the doubt here, and they I think they try to give him as many you know as much as they can the opportunity to like you know sit down with the players and like really kind of you know meet them where they're at and kind of give them you know a comfortable you know person to talk to that they don't have to like worry or, or try to converse through a translator. It's just you know somebody that you can easily communicate with, and they do produce some content. It's not as frequent um as i'd like but it, it is there it's just a little infrequent i feel like maybe i'm high on molly for saying this but i feel like there was something even recently that no where like danny was talking to, like some of the the korean pros am i off my rocker oh you did at, at times yeah 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 i know he did at times so i thought there was something recently anyways um we did get some breaking news in the middle of that. I know, Avril, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, the Gladiators have announced that Yaki is going to be joining the team as a you know, starting starting fixture for the 2023 season. Uh, initial takes, Avril, is this what you want to see? Hell yeah. I mean, Yaki's still a great player and uh, seems like someone that 
will do well in the gladiators but here's here's uh the the side where i'm gonna come a little harsh on him this is i think the at least from my perspective maybe people don't agree with this but this is like the no excuses season for yaki bro like you've had like how many seasons now we're like oh yeah but new york was this and mayhem was that and blah 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 and you're the best player on the worst team you got the best house on the worst street i've had enough of the excuses mate i'm really done with it if yaki doesn't work out this year in the glads it's never gonna fucking work my dude this guy is either the most cursed player in the overwatch league history or he's overrated as fuck which one is it and this year is going to decide that i think i think i think he's individually a great player mechanically you see him do well but how is is he really just cursed is it, is it like whatever team he touches just like falls apart does he have a decaying aura no that's that's not a subtle dig at decay you know what i mean does he just have yeah, like yeah. some sort of death aura it's around him which just kills what he just kills whatever team he's on like yeah. what's going on what's going on with yaki why can't he manage to get on a good team he's on a good team now no excuses this year agreed well said yes i agree yeah i i mean yeah that thing was a long time coming that's like two months mm -hmm. almost um yeah, I, I I still think it's an interesting move. Um, I think if you talk to players and coaches across the league, there's a huge amount of respect for Yaki um, and his ability. I think in many ways, the legacy of Yaki is probably... Like, his worst ability is to choose a team, <laughs> if you think about it. Um, and maybe that's part of chasing bags. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he always took the biggest back or, or not. He was pretty vocal about, like, the reason he plays for teams is because of uh, what he's being paid by them, right? Um, I will say, like, if you follow Yaki's career, I don't know. Like, some other players will, will go to shock, take less, and go far. Sure. Um... I'm not saying like that should always be your top priority, but uh, more so than that, you also should be able to like goats can evaluate and take a f or leave an imprint on how the roster is built around them. We've heard this from Profit. We like this is true for many players that they have some impact. Sure. If you want to be one of the greats, you got to be able to either choose. You like align yourself with a top tier coach and who makes your career got to be able to uh, like put some weight behind your um, your name and build a team around you or at least integrate or find systems that support you. I think this has been one of the bigger uh, issues that Yaki has had. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how uh, how this will develop um i agree with avril like this is this is the final season i don't think it's it's the best team he uh, like he was ever on um it's it's a little questionable how how strong the gladiators are going to be in in comparison to the shocks the atlanta reigns maybe even the outlaws uh i would personally say they're probably like even taking the final roster into account, I think they probably would have to be below Dallas as well. Um, and then, yeah, I, I feel like it would be interesting for me to see how they 
they're performing against the AT types or defined. Sure. So yeah. So I've, you're almost like almost leaning more towards the middle of the pack. Is that fair to say? I mean, that like depends what. The, I think they're probably going to be top five. I have a hard time seeing them competing for titles consistently. I think like yeah, if I'll you get a, if you get into like a a Genji meta, now you're there with Yaki. Um, Interesting. Okay. Avril, I mean, for for con for real con quick context, yeah, yeah. by the way, when I say like his last chance, I don't mean like no one should, no, no one should employ him and sign him after this. Yeah, mm. maybe they won't because the thing is cursed. But like, it's more so like, I feel like from the fan side, the excuses defending Yaki got to stop after this shit. Mm -hmm. Like, right? There's no reason that like how many how many seasons will this be now of him just being unlucky, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him a bone real quick. Sadly for him, this like Yiska said, this year's Glad's team might not be as good as last year's Glad's team. Mm -hmm. That's maybe the only downside, but still, I think Glad's will be competitive no matter what. I still think they'll be a good team. But I think they'll be taking away championships, stage titles, etc., like they were last year. Probably not because there's no stage stage titles anymore. But also sure. because you know, I think that there's there's some cracked teams currently out there, and uh, I don't know. Maybe when when we look at the Glad's final roster, it can be that good, if not better. But when you look at the quality of Houston, Shock, etc., you know, Atlanta, Boston, even though we'll see what happens there. Um, Glad's got some real work to do this year. So I don't think they'll, I think they'll contend for titles, but I don't think they're an easy favorite yet until I see their full team. So Yaki does have that weight on his shoulders. But I think even if you're a top five team in NA this year and Yaki's a part of that top five journey, uh, that'd be redeeming for him, mm -hmm. especially compared to his previous seasons. So like that. Most definitely. I think, um, and, and I think Jessica got a little, uh, a little clipped out of context earlier in the season when, he, when we talked about like trap players, right? I think you know one of them. He, I think he famously mentioned was Lee Jae Gon, um, and I will die in the hill that I think Yaki is kind of a trap player as well. I think you have to. He seems like the type of player that you do need to kind of start with, right? He's the centerpiece to a roster. He has this like. He seems very aggressive when it comes to like in-game situation, right? Um, I think last year solidified him for me at least as one of the best. I, I would probably maybe even say prolific, um, well-resourced tracer players. Obviously, we've heard you know Yiska talk about you know some of the people behind the scenes praising his Genji quite a bit, uh, maybe even solidifying some of those metas in past seasons. Um, the the skill isn't up for question. Uh, it's whether or not, you know, whether or not he's can, cursed. Sure. Yeah. I guess in some ways, whether or not he's cursed, whether or not he can be, you know, um, conducive of, of, of a healthy locker room would be my sentiment to that. Um, and there are some, there are big question marks for this gladiators team now, right? It's just like, okay, we talked in, in previous shows. It's like, okay, is Lastro like a signing that we really put a lot of confidence in, especially when we're coming out of, you know, the shoe era. Shoes going to Houston now, and obviously that's not somebody who you really want to lose. Dante's now officially playing his first season as tank, even though he did have a glowing end of the season last year. Kevster is no slouch, and there's no you know no flowers lost when it comes to funny Astro. But it, for the both of you, am I wrong in kind of feeling like there are a lot of question marks for the Glads? Not that they're insurmountable, but they you know it's it's tough to kind of ignore some of these these more glaring. Um, 
assumptions that we kind of have to make. I agree. I, I, I like Dante is a big question mark in terms of tank talent. Um, mm. I think the backline is still a big question mark and very unlikely to be even a side grade at this point, just by virtue mm. of who's left. Um, that's mainly down to <laughs> that backline being like absolute crack, like the last sure, couple yeah, of, of seasons. Sure, right? improve that. Um, so yeah, I th I feel like. It's going to be interesting, and it's also going to be interesting in terms of. I also forgot Boston, by the way, earlier in in terms of like the teams that compete. Uh, um, but that's that you're now scratching top five, right? Like that's top five. You're probably fifth. Um, yeah. so if you're perform outperforming top five, or like your fifth place, I think everything there is pretty positive. And probably mm -hmm. down to superior coaching in comparison to the field, where like just by hardware, I think you you would have to say fifth, fifth or sixth. Okay. Sure, Avril. What, what? Where would I rank the gladiators? Well, it's it's ranking. You know, do you think some of these more you know the, these questions that maybe push the gladiators down in those rankings, or maybe even justified? You know, looking. Dante is his first season as tank, even though he came off of last season being, you know, pl a well, I, I have an, I had him as a roll star candidate last okay, year, sure. so yeah. I, I I believe in Dante on tank. Okay, so less um, of a question for you. That that being said, because if he's a solo tank, it's going to be very meta dependent. Sure. So well said. Yeah. Um. I think they top five quality mm -hmm. in NA. I won't speak to Asia right now because we don't know what any of the rosters sure. look like. But like I'd I'd say I'd say they're they're if I was gonna tier list this, like shock and shock would be like S tier, you know. Uh Houston would be very close to that, if not on an equal level just on roster quality alone. That Houston roster is so nice. Um and then, you know, you got the rest in there as well. The, the, so I think I think Glads could could reach for for a for a top five for sure. Um that being said, they don't have a hit scan yet, and Kev Yaki is is flying, but I think they need a third DPS. Um, and how many players? I, I don't know what their bench is going to look like. Are they going to have any benches? Glad's used to have pretty large benches, but I don't know what their roster building strategy this is. Like this year, they might only have six players. Yeah. Mm. Do you think they're only going for six? I think so. Yeah. Take so seven. Yeah. So that means that I mean Dante's going to need to expand his tank hero pool by leaps and bounds. To, to make sure it includes everything because he's going to have to be an all-rounder this year. Um, yeah, Dante that, that good... confirmed so solo tank. Yeah, well, so uh, we'll have to see how good his Sigma is because otherwise they'll be they'll be missing space a little bit there. Um, I think I think yeah, I think just the the I don't know about Lastro. I think maybe I'm underrating Lastro. That's maybe the only question mark for me. Okay. Um, the rumor says what Halo has been rumoring Kai to this team for a while. So assuming it's Kai, Kefs, Yaki, Dante, Lastro, Funny Astro. Well, I like that team enough. It's just a downgrade on the supports that makes me feel bad. I, I don't think they're I don't think they're middle of the pack. I still think they're in the okay. upper echelon. Can can I uh, ask a couple of like maybe a little unfair questions to you, Avril? Okay. So unfair. <laughs> Yaki or Pelican? Pelican. No hesitation. <laughs> Yaki or First of all, Pelican's not cursed. True. Sparkle. No hesitation. Uh, 
Yaki or um the other person. Person. I don't care who it is. <laughs> I try to say one. <laughs> I'll pick one. Fuck it. Damn. Who actually was it? Who actually was it? Try to say one. Yeah, I Try to say one. No hesitation. Yeah. That's my issue. That's my problem with this. I don't think they shot as high as they could have, theoretically, right? Like, okay, you're not getting Pelican. Uh, you're not getting Sparkle, probably, even though maybe you could have. Yeah. Choice of one's got a dragon, so, you know, like, that's, that's unlucky. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know. That's that's my that's where I want him to go. I want Choi to go to Dragons. I mean, I there want. are two Soul teams looking for some players. Oh yeah, that's except another one. you'd be playing alongside either Prophet or Zest. True. Yeah, you'd probably be benched compared to those guys. Yeah, I just feel like yeah. If you think about Yaki, you're just like, oh, it's still Yaki. That guy's still Yaki. There's a lot of. Yeah. Incredible. What's Yaki's uh what's Yaki's biggest achievement so far? Winning ten thousand dollars by beating Sideshow in a Faro 1v1? <laughs> he didn't have that one May Melee run way back when, right? 2020. Oh yeah, one? sorry, my bad. My Wait, bad. Didn't that's he, roughly it. Didn't he, he, he lose the one v one so Sideshow would have got gotten signed? Like i No, I this is the this is this this is the rematch. Alright. Wait, no, the, which was which was the one did Sideshow beat somebody in a one v one to get signed to Mayhem? And then he lost to Yaki in 2021 to give Yaki the freest $10,000 in the entire world. Someone, he literally woke up and someone from the Overwatch League was like, send him a WhatsApp message. Yaki, would you like $10,000 for free today? <laughs> he says, yes. Yeah, and it just got wired into his bank account, just like that. Boom, snap. True. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really hard uh, to... Oh, this is a... Okay, this is this is a little bit more challenging. Yaki or Decay? See, now you're talking about two cursed players. Which, <laughs> whose curse is whose curse is worse? Oh shit! Ooh, that is hard. That is hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I might take Yaki now. Yaki finally wins. I might take Yaki. There you go. We've we found the Yaki line. Like that's un <laughs> it's it's. I mean, of course. Like I don't even bring up proper and whatnot, right? Like the, those are the guys. Yeah, don't even bother there. Those are the guys. I take proper over two Yakis. <laughs> A team of them. Like, Barrelful. It's also like <laughs> this, and I don't mean like you get to feel. I don't mean like. Yaki is playing both your DPS position. No, I mean it's a one versus two, proper versus two Yakis at one v two. I still take proper winning that. Yeah, and presumably, like you don't even need to like, Yaki to play that much uh, with Kev. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like that's you just wouldn't a... you wouldn't want unless it's the right meta. You wouldn't want them playing together. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise Kev's going to be stuck on Reaper again and they're going to lose. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I assume like I heard some some speculation from other teams that they thought Glatz was pretty late to the off season. That's why they're la like now scrambling. Like it, yeah. Oh, two years in a row, shocking. <laughs> um, I mean, if well, if, if last... DK could leave that organization twice, he might. <laughs> why am I throwing so much shade? I'm I'm just being funny. I'm just joking, guys. I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> I'm not actually throwing shade. I I I respect the guy's organization. I mean, to be fair, like, also like it's not like they really threw last year, considering they were probably like top three team last year at least, right? Like, 
No, that's true. They, yeah, they still did fine. Like even though they came into the off season late last year, they still actually came out of it really well, well placed. So it's also pretty fair to say that given that they are now less players, it just like implicitly states that they're not going as big like as they did uh, in prior years. Mm. And you, we pr should probably do, or we would do well in adjustment, adjusting our expectations, or yeah, for for Glads in what this orc wants to do in the Overwatch League going forward. Mm. No, makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, looking at some of those, you know, budget tier lists that you put out, you know, it's probably tough to consistently be top spenders like that. Uh, and yeah, last year they had a great season, but, you know, in seasons past, did, you know, the, the results necessarily warrant the money spent? You know, I, I think that's up for debate. Um, but as we kind of venture past the gladiators and, and back into APAC for a moment. I think it is important to remember that, you know, the qualifying teams from the, I, I believe, and Eric can correct me, I believe some of the teams from the uh, qualifying stage for spring will also transition over into the summer stage. Um, and I kind of wanted to throw this to the, you guys. Um, Avril, do you, is that something you like, or would you have a? Would you rather see a full requalification, or would you rather see just all the teams come back? Like, which would you prefer? Is there a better system, or is this just fine? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with how it is right now, to be honest. Um, I I think there's a there's a there's a bar of consistency there. There is nice where like, you know, the some the spring contenders teams return for summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, the only the only thing there is is, is if there's a wacky situation where they they they're just worse in the second half of the year for some reason right. because of I don't know it could be meta I have no idea and then then you're like well maybe we could have had better contenders teams but no I I generally think that uh, well actually the more I think about this the more I'm like maybe they should requalify because it gives the other contenders teams a chance as well. Mm -hmm. And it makes the rest of containers a little bit more valuable, other because now the first half of the year is way more valuable than the second half, right? right in terms right. of qualification. So actually, I'll change my mind. Maybe I would prefer the requalification just for that okay. reason. Yeah, it was definitely something that, like, as we were talking through this, I was like, okay, yeah, no, this 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 could be kind of an interesting thought, you know, piece. Yes, good for you. Kind of a similar question, like. I know that, you know, competitive integrity is is something that you know has been maybe a, a hot topic for you this show, but. Do you have any preference either way when it comes to the APAC contender teams? In terms of what, like requalification from spring? Would you I, rather have that technically always? Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, okay, I think like just in terms of because this this is such a meta dependent um, game, you just want the best snapshots at any any given moment, right? Mm. In terms of um, who, who's actually like i i understand the argument for consistency and like all of that i think also the requalification would give interest to contenders itself mm -hmm. so yeah i i think that's that would be my ideal i mean and that also kind of i feel like it's very it sits at the heart for a lot of your you know gripes with the uh the thesis of the overwatch league right you've always been a, a big grassroots you know small small developer input you know esports leagues in the first place and this you know kind of still feels that way right that at least gets a little bit closer to it is that fair to say this entire season format 
No, 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 not the entire season four, but just like the APAC integration, having them all requalify, you know, it, it does yeah. feel more grassroots, right? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, in general, yes. I, I feel like as it's a, you want as many stakeholders and like people that can make your uh, system more better in, in mm -hmm. various ways as you possibly can the issue was always that yes like if you give up control there you also got to give up equity in some sense right like sure. how you monetize uh down the line so i understand it from a protective part of um of that i think you probably even in in that regard shot yourself in the foot in terms of like the value and growing the pie was likely always going to outscale uh the situation um so just like to, to explain how i think about the things like for instance i thought it was very smart of riot games to integrate like to um or once again have everything run through third-party tournaments much like we did but not to the same extent with overwatch i think we we didn't have the huge we didn't let the th big third parties do enough with our game. Because what, what happens is, as you get more independent parties involved that all have to compete against each other, they make your product better. Okay? Sure. Like, they, th in order to survive, they need to come up with a better version of presenting your game, of playing your game, you know? of mm -hmm. just doing the thing that your game is testing the grounds than uh, a closed system necessarily has to because it gives you stability, right? Like, what it has let down to is, like, there's a lot of complacency in a lot of franchises that aren't trying to figure out... Like, they paid the money, the figure-out mechanism is now the league. They gotta figure out what Overwatch League is. And just having one giant actor should allow you to make some pretty bold moves and like um, make stuff that probably into just because like in the in the in the size of the investment that wouldn't be possible, right? Like an IM can't can't pay for DJ Khaled on the main stage, True. but that's good. Okay, um, it it keeps you from investing in, into really stupid stuff with out of touch. Uh, fun functionality. So, bringing it back to the requalification, the same general idea of people bringing new, fresh ideas outside your ecosystem, in injecting it into your competition, that has happened indirectly in Overwatch League time immemorial, but we never really got to see it on the screen because the way contenders teams innovate and bring about like the this special quality that it can only come through fil filtration of uh, a wide open circuit is through Overwatch League teams just copying the shit out of them once they realize there's something good there, right? So now we actually get to see that. They're, like we, we all have heard the stories of like Ocho Blast taking going 50-50 against Shanghai in season four. Mm -hmm. Right? Now we have a, we will, we could theoretically get a visceral idea of this actually being true, right? Therefore, also calling all, all the other uh, teams out on their shit, right? 
So in my mind, I want the requalification to happen because that makes the qualifying teams better, increases the likelihood that they are going to beat the majority or a, a, a sizable amount of Overwatch League teams, therefore in cre creating an incentive structure for these Overwatch League teams to not lose airtime, to not lose you know reputation of losing against some guys that likely realistically have re less resources than even the valiant had last year right? right so as like generally speaking i'd rather have it as open as possible i think it adds more benefit also to the tier two scene and the attention that gets exactly yeah that was kind of uh what i wanted to you know reiterate that you know i think both i think you both brought up like really really strong points where yes you were you know more, a little bit more focused on the you know the you choosing the gatekeepers, right? You know, having the highest and, and most potent filtration unit, and making sure that you know we don't have too many dud contenders teams in APAC. Um, and I think Avril said it best when he was talking about how um, this grows the the pie for everybody when it comes to you know contenders in APAC. Because if everybody's more interested in it, then you know more people are going to want to compete. More of these teams can possibly get more, you know, financial backing. You know, more attention gets brought in there. More viewers are drive driven to the league. It grows the pie for everybody, even if you know some of the franchise costs uh, depreciate just a touch. Um, any any final thoughts there for the both of you? I just I just want uh, contenders to be more valuable by extending okay. how much qualification opportunities they'll get. So, mm -hmm. oh, more slots. Mm. <laughs> more, no not necessarily that way but more like you know if you get to qualify into overwatch league twice a year than once sure i i think like it's it's going to be interesting i think this is probably like a pilot like the apex region is a pilot for what they could do um i proof think the, here's the, my problem right the proof of concept if this succeeds it will largely not just be um due to it being open, but it will also succeed because hopefully we get everyone into one physical location can make some dope sure. content there, right? Mm. Um, so the, you know, splitting up those aspects, uh, it's going to be very hard to make it divisible and therefore making the argument that that, that the partnership integration should also happen in, in, uh, in the West, okay? Theoretically, that that should be on the table by now. If if that's like a really it makes for a really attractive product, I don't think we were ever going to, of course, have relegation. That's fine, and we don't need to. Like, that's fine. Um, but I think that's how you create, especially if you could do something like okay, contenders gets qualification. But what if there's also collegiate spots? Maybe sure. like there, there's a collegiate league that. Performs there, and you give those guys a spot and whatnot. Or, I mean, it depends on how the collegiate scene develops. But yes, you can also just put them through contenders. To be fair, um, but that's going to be an interesting thing uh, going forward in that regard. Because to some degree, like you guys know that I'm really open, open team in terms of like I don't think there should ever be regional restrictions in who you should sign. Is at the same time, like we really got to do something towards the talent pipelines outside of Korea. Um, mm -hmm. because like very clearly, like they have found their niche, like Europe, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Europe needs help, people. They need help. Australia has needed help for the long time, I would say. Yeah, um, that's also kind of true. I mean, and then, of course, like, uh, the MENA region, there's some talents there that we've seen, like, feasibly, Saudi Arabia could have a pretty banger uh, World Cup team. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we're building these pipelines for pastures that haven't really come to fruition yet and i hope that we eventually grow there like it feels like we're we're not serving a demand we're trying to create one and i hope that happens and i hope that entire model works but i will also say if that ends up working i'm gonna be pissed because everyone told you this in 2015 everyone told you this 15 15 well 16 was 16. the conception, right? Oh, sorry. It might have been 16, yeah. 17 was the announcement. 16 was the rumblings uh, under the roof, I think, the, the official announcement. Yeah. This, I think, like, there there was this idea. Sometimes you got to make mistakes to learn from them. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's One so... One of those situations. Yeah, it's weird when, when new people come in from the outside and just, like... I, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm open to them doing paradigm shifting shit and getting us out of the rut. But there's also something about like really hard lines of what works in esports and what doesn't. And um, yeah, as we talked about like last last episode, I think it was about World Cup stuff. Mm. I still don't see the World Cup being like the the most accurate representation of what people actually care that much about and or it, it, what makes for the best product. I think region against region would be way more entertaining than anything else. I think so. Yeah. The riot model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the the kind of the esports model, right? Everything's you know east versus west. You know, it's not even the. It's not even. I think it's the most competitive. It's just more the most like. Um, it creates the most opportunities for the players and expanding the esport to to garner interest because. Right now, Europe's kind of just dead, right? So I mean, yeah, you know, you've you've just lost a whole continent because it's f- almost completely unsupported uh, as far as pipeline into actual professional. I mean, you could argue it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you can still make Overwatch League, but it's just such an undesirable region to look at for a number of reasons. So yeah, they need some help. I'm not going to get into the full details on that. I'm sure if you know, you know, if you followed Europe, you you yeah. sort of understand. Yeah, I think that's this is, but this is a problem that was homemade, probably by the time we sent the first uh, founding teams. I think there was like we heard back then that Rogue had a bid with some other investor or something involved, and Fnatic, Fnatic had, had a bid. Yeah. If we mm-hmm. had those, if we had four. Uh, European franchises instead of two. Now you have probably much more of a critical mass in order to sustain academy teams and have something persistently going. I, I I'm not sure what that does to the integrity or like the Overwatch League circuit given Corona and whatnot. But it it probably would have facilitated different changes or decisions down the line that probably would have not you know put. Uh, Europe on its ass as it did. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, and would have made like the global league uh, approach much more feasible, right down the line. Oh, sure. um, Most definitely. 
yeah, it's yeah. I think a lot of the time, like a lot of it is just conceptual, um, like trying to figure out how to make uh, past mistakes work in our system, and that's why I'm so so big on like not making new mistakes now because then you're just going to have to eat that like in three years time trying to figure out the mistakes that you did now right in order right like and you're just shoving issues forward but i also agree or am sympathetic to the point that it's not really this is not the (laughs) the year where you can allow yourself to do things that are going to set up something that is coming to fruition years down the line with everyone mm-hmm. being already disgruntled and like the Microsoft merger. This is not the wait year, right? Like, sure. most definitely wasn't. Be, yeah. We got to green light some, some projects at this point. We really got to, you know, take off. And I think the initial, you know, Overwatch League was, oh, yeah, we're building the plane as we fly it. Haha. <laughs> and, you know, we, we just really got to start flying at this point. But you did bring up the an interesting a bridging statement um when you talk about like possible you know uh mistakes and, and trying to eliminate them at, at every turn as we kind of round out the show i wanted to get your guys's takes on some of these points that you know our producer eric put in the chat um that you know do have some significant impact when it comes to the 2020 c 2023 season format um obviously with the announcement coming out just recently we do have eight qualifying games per stage i know that we've lived through uh what was it 2021 i think yeah. it was uh four games a stage i guess this is just a kind of a, a rehashing of that do you double that, that but there's only but we've doubled that yeah, we we have to have it. yeah so i don't it, mind I, I, so so the position i think the league has is uh-huh. that they want to reduce the amount of meaningless games and okay. that was also the the ploy the, the plot um in 2021 as well like in terms of goals the only issue in 2021 was that four per stage was too little i respect that eight per stage is way better even if it's only half the stages um i don't mind it because i feel like because the other thing that hasn't been mentioned yet uh that you'll notice if through the subtleties is that there's no more league points that's very important because league points had a lot of snowballing in previous seasons especially last year where it's like by the time you get to the end, Dallas and, and whoever, um, Seoul, in previous years, it was Dallas and Shanghai, I have so many league points that they can just fuck around, start yeah, start sandbagging, don't give a crap anymore. It's like, you know, you, you, you don't want that. You don't want situations where teams just start sandbagging because they're like 50 points ahead of the next guy. Right. Um, but also, like, the whole league points thing was just, it, it was a little bit unfair, a little bit snowball if you didn't make... You know the the early stages then you missed out on tournaments and whoever made the tournaments then got way more points and this and that and this and that and it just it, it wasn't a satisfying system and i think the league acknowledges that and i think this is a super positive move to move away from that uh i'm i'm much more of a fan of this format now than what we had previously just good for you ain't mm. enough i mean okay for the individual stage yes I think I personally like because of the asymmetry it creates in uh, at least the NA region. This is going to be a shit show in terms of making the schedule fair. Um, sure. And I don't think they have figured out a solution to this yet. At because- least not in the spring stage, I believe. I think Sean Miller did 
mention this and Eric, I know you, you kind of really, you know, parse through that, that, you know, interview or podcast rather uh, quite heavily, but I think he did say that the summer stage was going to have a much better attempt at trying to create a balance of strength of schedule. So spring is going to be tough, but summer should be corrected at least for the most part. They will not release be... the summer schedule initially. They will wait until our spring's done. And by the strength schedule shown in spring, they will make the summer schedule. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it still sucks. It's a little less sucky. Uh, yeah, I guess this is this serves competitive integrity more than it hurts it. Even though I ideally, like, of course, have mirrored... Um, like go do to do round robins would be ideal, mm. um, but maybe that's too many games. I'm also sympathetic towards that. Uh, I also agree. Like cutting down the amount of meaningless games is fun. I will say that directly flies against the amount of qualified teams uh, in the tournaments because mm. I yes you get a cut down on cost f fine. Um, but there's probably going to be more than six teams in NA that are going to be meaningful to the competition. Sure. Um, I think like probably down to eight, you probably don't have absolute freebies, uh, any given game and it's going to be a little bit like yeah i think yeah there, there's probably not going to be many like throwaway games if you're just inviting top six there's also not going to be very many games there even if you do double or you do doubly limb right mm -hmm. so i think from my estimation the the amount of matches this this year had to have been cut down significantly um i think they in their minds they're just like fine with it because of the Pro-AM and it's part of the Overwatch League circuit. I think a lot of people won't feel the same way about it. Um, I'm very interested to see how the Pro-AM does in terms of viewership as well. Maybe I'm wrong there. Um, also, it really depends on the type of promotion they do for it, of course. Uh, True. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's the start of season. The start of season usually is pretty good for viewership. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but will folks realize it's the start of the season? Or will they think of it as the start of the season? And will they promote it as the start of the season? Or are we doing that for April 27th? Especially with yeah. the new hero coming out and whatnot, right? No, to be fair, they have made a very clear distinction, you know, in the marketing for, you know, the Pro-Am and the start of the season. That they're very clear, they're making it very bold in you know the dates that they're they're really trying to push the dates on you know yes the pro am starts in March and and in April this is when the season starts right like they're they're trying to direct and you know the attention and trying to define this as best they can but I do wonder along with Yiska you know do we see the same pop at the start of the season or do we get that pop for the pro am you know how does that kind of situate or maybe we get two pops who knows. Oh. There's there's pop, a pop. there's a lot of uh, moving parts in there. Like, is is the pro dash am going to be in the client, for instance? Sure. Right. Um. Yeah. Are, are we going to have Overwatch League in the client? Right. I want some better, APA do, you want, do you want it even? Do you want it, uh, an even better question than that? Sure. Are we on Twitch or YouTube or both? Based. 
who knows? Ask CDL. By the way, like, okay, this is my uneducated thing. I think like both Activision Blizzard, if, if, if CDL gets it, okay, let's, let's just talk about the CDL stuff. I think that's safer. Like it was reported that they're going to like that they're in negotiations with YouTube. I thought it was a rather smart move for them to just start out on Twitch just because yeah. you're not getting a deal from Twitch. Not in this current climate that or position that Twitch is. You might get one from YouTube, right? But you might get one from YouTube, right? <laughs> so in order to just like demonstrate what kind of value that they are losing there, mm. like that that was realistically the going to be the only Pay pig in town still willing to to well, pony just, up, right? Oh, you don't like Facebook? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bro, there it, was there was a doomer take early on in the COVID era where like Mixer and Facebook were like circulating, and I was shitting my pants. Like I mean, guys, you, you're saying we're not leaving for Hive, and we're not going to stream the entire Watch League mm-hmm. on Hive? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was a, it was a hella smart play. Like that's. There was some real high IQ shit to go like exclusive on Twitch for the start of the CDL, even though it was like unofficially exclusive, mm-hmm. just to like put the pressure onto YouTube a little bit, yeah. and then potentially get a new deal. That that's actually so smart. Yeah, yeah, I think that was feasibly the only way that you could extract a, a broadcast deal. And I will also say, if they actually manage that. Like, chapeau, that sales team has once again done the unthinkable because, like, I think. A lot of industry folk were very, very stern on saying we're never going to get broadcast deals back. Sure, now, yeah. keep in mind, if they're only getting like a really limp, like, I don't know, like high six-figure, low low seven-figure deal for this year. Mm, okay. I mean, that's that, just to demonstrate that you okay, can. If it's, a shit, if it's a shit deal, they probably shouldn't take, even though they probably will. Yeah. Yeah, I have one request though. If they do, if they do go with a YouTube deal, I want it to not include contenders, because that that deal fucks contenders. If I watch it, whatever, sure, sure, fine. Yeah. But the reason why you don't put contenders is because like contenders is like that's it's so hardcore that you're only going to get con- you're only going to watch contenders yeah. if you really want to watch contenders or you want to skin. Um, it's so undiscoverable on YouTube, yes. like even even more, even less discoverable than the Overwatch League is on YouTube or any esport is on YouTube. Um, and there's other things as well where like, you know, this is straight from the, the mouth of the teams themselves, especially the Korean ones I've spoken to. It's like part of the situation for Runaway mm. is that they couldn't even watch, they couldn't co-stream their, their own team's games on Twitch or anything like that because Flowervin is a Twitch personality. And that was a, that was a problem for them, you know, and, um, Huh. A lot of the contenders teams don't want to be part of the whole YouTube thing. They'd rather do it on on Twitch. Like contenders, you might as well maximize viewership by doing it on both Twitch and YouTube if you can. Um, even though I, you know, I think part of the reason why contenders were sold as part of the deal previously was to fatten up the deal to make it more attractive, right? Mm-hmm. Which I understand, but like at the same time, man, it just fucks contenders so hard. Yeah, and if this is the season where we're trying to create this, you know, I think, you know, uh, both Zoe and Sean Miller in this community update were, were very big on promoting this, like, you know, open ecosystem. And I think that, you know, they really want to try to ref- get a grasp on this talent pipeline and really trying to support this. If, if this is the contender season of the Overwatch, you know, era, um, then, 
you know, that would be the best foot, you know, the best possible thing you could do for tier two is to open up as many avenues, like Avril's saying, um, to discover these new talents, to, to discover your new favorite players, to really I'll even allow, like you're saying with some of these Korean teams, allow them to create content to support, you know, themselves and maybe even their own tier two region, right? Um, limiting that is never a good idea. The other thing is, I, I know the, the moving away from Korea a little bit, I know mm -hmm. that some of the, the big content creators, just generally the English speaking content creators, I don't have to name them. You just look on Twitch and YouTube, you know who they are. Sure. Some of them would be keen to, I don't know if I want to use the word regularly co stream Overwatch League, but they'd be keen to at least somewhat stream co stream the Overwatch League. But the biggest issue is the whole Twitch versus YouTube thing. If it's exclusive on YouTube, then they can't do it because these are all Twitch streamers, yep. except for like Samito and, and like maybe some other one of the dudes. Like the, the rest of them are all Twitch streamers. So it just doesn't work for them. We, we, we just don't get the same level of it's, I guess I would describe as community outreach, but it's also community marketing through the personalities, through the streamers that, that games like Valorant do. Um, because we, we limit ourselves in broadcast deal. Now, am I, am I against a broadcast deal? Not necessarily. I think the league needs to make money. If they're not going to be able to get enough sponsors, you need a broadcast deal to, to round it up. And the teams need, hey, like one of the biggest issues with the teams is like, we lost all our sponsors. Um, the league isn't doing a good enough job of, you know, the rev share because there's no rev to share. You yeah. need some rev to share for the rev share to work. And one way to get some revenue is to get an, a streaming deal. So I, I get that. I, I fully support making money back in and making money for the teams and all that that's very important but um you know at the same time you you need you need to find ways to grow your product as well so it is it is a tough crossroads uh where you know do you want to pick more growth or do you want to pick the money on the table you know it's a tough uh tough thing to to contend with it is super tough, especially in today's climate, right? You know, the 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 esports winter, as as it feels like the uh, our our forefathers, let's call them, um, have coined it. it. It is it feels very real. There are a lot of consolidation, uh, you know, with with teams stepping out of leagues that they have just very successful in. I think most recently, I think TSM stepped out of Rainbow Six, even though I'm yep. not entirely too sure about like the health of some of these other games, but like hearing that you can be successful and then immediately pull out of it is, is never a good sign. Um, and and I, we've been talking about this for, for a hot little bit now. So it's, it's, it's tough to not, you know, look at a, an exclusive deal. Like you said, there, to, to have a rev share, you need some rev to share, right? So you got to make, by the way, I, I make it sound a lot more zero sum than it is. But while saying that, I also do believe it is more zero sum than not in the sense that like, could you grow your product while taking an exclusive streaming deal? Probably. But I, I, when I say it's it's more zero sum than not, I mean like you're you're really limiting the amount of growth you can get by taking an exclusive deal when mm -hmm. all your biggest personalities and streamers are on Twitch, right? Um, across the world, not just English speaking, and you're you're just not gonna have access to them to help promote your game, your esport, your product mm -hmm. uh, when you take a YouTube exclusive deal. Now, you know you. But then, but then on the other hand, you have teams who you're partnered with who, you know, legally can put pressure on you to be like, where's our fucking money? Right. You've promised us revenue share. You promised, promised us X, Y, Z, and you better deliver. And so it's like, fuck, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a really tough battle out there. I don't, I don't 
you know, I feel bad for the league in a lot of yeah. ways for having to deal with that. It's a catch-22. And I think a lot of this does stem from some of the decisions, I think Jessica alluded to this earlier, um, that, you know, started with the league. You know, be it what it's may, this is kind of where we're at. And it is, it is a little rock and hard place. And that same kind of hot seat I'm going to offer to Avril as we wrap up the show. We need an MVP, my guy. Uh, oh. As the chairman of been the good, MVP, Mac. it's been good guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, as the way too early MVP. Yes, the un- the way too early, but often oracle correct. Avril, who is this year's MVP? <laughs> well, last year I got it right and wrong. Because uh, oh. my way my way too early MVP was actually Harmon. Right. But then he nearly got it anyway. So like, yeah. was I really that wrong? But then I, I, I quickly, I quickly pivoted at the start of the season to proper, uh, just because you know Andy slipped a check under under the table for me. Thank you, Andy. Um, and you know what? That check's being repeated this year because the problem is you still have to. He's proper still in the game. You still have to beat this guy to get the MVP. So the issue is he's still probably the best player on probably the best team or one of the best teams. Now that Dallas is completely split up, I mean, you could make a real argument that Shock is the best team, especially now that they've just, like, backed up their talent with some extra contenders, heavy hitters, and he's saying a max. And um, I don't know if they're getting Jumbin, but i like to see them get Jumbin. We'll see. It's just... They're only going from strength to strength. It's crazy how talented that team is. So, um... It's it's gonna be hard. Like even for his own teammates to try and if you're on the problem with being on the team with proper is he's gonna suck up all the awards and the rest of the team will get nothing. <laughs> um and for everybody else, I mean you still gotta beat this guy, you still gotta beat the shock. That's gonna be a tough call. Tough ask. So you're you're leaning a little bit more proper for the the the, the double. Have we I don't think we've I, seen that. We right? haven't yeah. had a double. We haven't had a double. And but I, I the reason why I lean it is it's not just some like weird bias. It's like no, based on evidence, based on evidence, yeah, of course not, guys. All the fans are like, oh, you're speaking blind, but it's like, well, who the fuck else is it then? Who else is it? Like, I know people think there's like an MVP curse as well. Where, like, whatever, whoever wins an MVP the next year, they just play like shit. But um, bro, that would be that would be crazy if proper just fell off this year. There's surely there's no way. Um, <laughs> does he know? Um, assuming he doesn't fall off this year, I'm like. Well, who's going to beat him? Who could be? Who's going to be the better overall player this year? When I look across the rookie talent and the talent across the teams, I was like, I don't think any of the new rookies are going to be better than proper. So it's not going to be one of them. And I don't think any of the existing talents are going to be better either because we already settled that debate last year. So why wouldn't it just be him again? And, and like somebody else has to be considerably pulling more weight than this guy is. Yeah. Uh, and I just I'll, I'll I'll believe it when I see it really. And I can understand like the the voter fatigue in some aspect. I think. Okay, there. can I speak to voter fatigue? That's such, that's such a bullshit. No, I don't not that, that not that it's not real, but it no, shouldn't no. be real. Shouldn't People be real. should not have voter fatigue. This yeah. isn't guys. It's not U.S. politics, guys. Yeah. Right. It's not. Oh, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of this president for four years. People treat awards like you're voting for polit- for politicians. It's yeah. not how this works, guys. When it comes to awards, it is it should only be merit based and nothing else. Yep. So merit should be the MVP. No, it should only be merit based based on your ability and your skill and what your what your talent is 
and literally nothing else. Voter fatigue, what the fuck is voter fatigue? Shouldn't even exist. The fact that it ex exists at all is some Mickey Mouse shit for real. Yeah. They right? No one should be like, oh, I'm just tired of it. It's like, no, no one. Fuck? You're right. That's not what this, 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 right. this is. A, a well, talent okay. thing. Yeah. Someone being good at the game has nothing to do with whether you're bored yep. of it. It's not, this, is not, this is not a popularity award, fellas. Yeah. Right? This is not vote for your favorite player, your most popular player. This is vote for the best fucking player in the league. That's what this is. This has got nothing to do with fucking fatigue. Get that shit out of here. Like, go on a dopamine fast for me or before you vote in this shit. Like, I, like, you child. Like, please reset yourself in your, like, your cranial disposition. This is crazy to me. They're like, you just should, I think, like, if anything, you should probably course correct for uh, your propensity to want something new and then, then say, like, if proper is then close, ah, that's when I give it to the, to proper because, like, I already have that, probably that preconceived bias of um, of like voting fatigue. So yeah, I think like generally speaking, generally speaking, like yes, of course, proper should be your uh your favorite. I think there's also a really good argument for Hamden next year, of course. Sure. Um, and then there's a whole lot of noth nothing. It feels like it's definitely difficult to see how some of these other teams kind of like filter out. I think there are some candidates depending on what kind of support they get, you know, that could crop up. But yeah, I think, you know, um, not to completely deviate away and venture into traditional sports, but I do believe LeBron James just beat the NBA's all-time or, or surpassed the NBA's all-time scoring record. Um, yep. Somebody who's had a, an illustrious career um, has, has, you know, been a dominant force within the NBA. Again, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but, you know, I know, you know, the pop culture hits when they become in, right? Um, and we have something very similar in, in esports as in general. Going back into the, you know, the lexicon of, you know, StarCraft Brood War, we have some of those legends that have been dominant through through years. We have Faker more recently. Um, and I think, you know, Avril, I think you you kind of pointed that out probably in the midst of, you know, towards the end of last season. Um, I, I think we are kind of entering the, the proper era and it's, you know, you need to strap in and get comfortable because this kid doesn't look like he's going anywhere. And it's like, if you, if you, is it, how many MVPs does LeBron have? Did he, did he win the MVP recently? I don't know. I don't follow uh, NBA. I don't know. The I, point yeah, is, the point is, the point is, is like, if LeBron is the best player, he, he's legitimately yeah. the best talent. Even if you are legitimately bored of him winning, although let's, let's say you're not even a fan of the Lakers or the Heat or, 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 or the Cavs or whatever, whatever team Bradley, he's been on. Yeah. Let's say you actually don't like. Let's say, let's say you, uh, you know, you even root against him. Whatever. You don't want to see him win. You're tired of seeing him win. And you're tired of him being the best player. Even then, it's like voting to spite is just so weird. And I, I mean, I kind of get it from a fan perspective, but like, yeah, the whole. If you're okay, maybe if you're like super anti because the 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 rival team, maybe you're like an LA Glads team and shock of the rival team, and you don't like them for that reason. Okay. Like anybody else, that's just kind of like, oh, I'm just bored. It's just like that's just not what this award is about. Like, I, I don't care if you're bored of LeBron. If he's the best player, he's just the best player. Yeah, that's all the award matters. It's the only thing that matters as far as awards goes. So I don't. I just this is why the fan vote only counts for twenty five percent. Thank fuck. Yeah. Honestly, thank fuck because this shit is not a popularity award, guys. It's really not. Yep, and I think uh, you know as much as maybe the media can get a little 
get a little creative in their votes. I definitely think that uh, as we've seen some of the more get a couple of trolls there every year, just one or two trolls, one or two, one or two, you know, little uh, instigators, little Um, I think we have by and large grown quite a bit in, in, you know, I think the, I think everybody's eyes for Overwatch have have acclimated and I think we are getting a, a lot better at picking and trying to have, you know, better gatekeepers when, when awarding these, especially when it comes to those more weighted votes, right? I, like you said, the, the general populace only counts for... I want to say two things. This is what I do. I instigate on this podcast. I'll say two things are going to annoy people. Number one, yeah. and I'm doing this on purpose, obviously. Number one is that if Shock won the Overwatch League last year, the finals last year, Proper would have had Grand Finals MVP as well. I know, I know, I actually, actually know, this is not me speculating. I know he was, uh, he had the highest number of votes from the Shock side for Grand mm. Finals MVP. And then obviously Fearless had it on the, on the Dallas side. So Proper would have had uh, Rookie of the Year, season mvp grand finals mvp and the championship all in one all in one shot four awards boom on one day if he had won um second thing that's going to piss people off on purpose is um it'd be funny if proper won mvp again back to back and he still had zero titles he doesn't win missy's madness doesn't win the overwatch league this year gets back to back mvps i would love that just to see the seething and molding that the fans would have from that position that would that would absolutely that would actually make my year it's super cool too right like it's it's like almost rewarding like player of the match to like the losing team where it's just like you have played such an absolute you know banger of a season that even though you you aren't winning right even though you you can't win the title we still have to give it to you because you're that good like that is at the level of what proper it is and i think people are you know I think we saw it last year. I think the, the the church of proper has has grown quite quite exponentially. Um, and you know, I think only with that growth of people yeah. accepting him as uh, the one true lord, um, it, it's you know equal amounts of of anti fans come along with that. But it, it's tough to to ignore this kid's skill. And it's ah uh, the K pop experience truly. <laughs> can I can I also get on my horse and say like. Now you have less opportunity to win titles, right? And this is, what by the mean? way, in, I mean, you only get... Like stage titles? Yeah. You, oh, okay. I guess. Also, here, like stage titles. Fuck that noise. Like, do we know the... <laughs> fa- no, know we know the, uh, the grand noise. finals? Uh, um, huh? Do we know the grand finals uh, tournament structure yet? We don't, right? Uh, I don't think no, so. So, talk to be more than six teams, but yeah. More than six teams of both. Yeah. So if it's eight, you can eat my ass if you tell me that's significantly more important than uh, a midseason title. Get out of my sight. Like if we're really realistically having international titles with everything that's just basically the same, only two more teams, that's marginally more impressive. I won't hear anything else. I can see how the stage title is different from the grand fi- uh, the the playoff title, even though like with the five day patch, probably not. But mm. like at that point, if you're making it that equal across the board, no, you you have to in your soul improve the amount or like increase the amount of value you give to these stage titles. That's just like 
I think to a degree they already do that for an MSI in league, right? So push it towards that, considering also that we have a, a more thorough qualifying stage as well now. Like we have less opportunity for a stage title. It's eight games. We're getting six teams in there. The filtering process is pretty sick. That's meaningful. Celebrate it as such. All said. Yeah, it, here we I go. Think- I got it. Here's the answer. I got it. Yeah. If Glad's come top five, you can give Yaki the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For playing zero, and it's actually all Kevster. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it wouldn't be the first time Kevster gets robbed, so it's it's yeah. that's normal. That's yeah. just a habit at this point. Who's due for their flowers a little bit? Like, I think Kev is is due for one. That oh, but how did I not think about Kevster when I said like it's definitely between Hanbin and Proper? No, it's also Kevster for sure. No, but the problem is Kevster can't play Reaper, so that's you know he yeah. can't win anything, isn't it? Yeah. Once least, he learns how to play Reaper, then we can start talking about Kevster. Yeah, yeah. If you gave him seven days, who knows? Five? No. <laughs> seven days. Motherfucker said six years to play Reaper, okay? <laughs> seven <laughs> days. Uh, All right. I think that's a, a good enough primer as it stands now for the 2023 Overwatch League season. Um, obviously, there's more information coming down the pipeline. Obviously, you know, the postseason information dump is yet to be determined what you know some of the qualification details look like when it comes to apac contender teams that's you know up for debate and probably incoming with a number two community update you know possibly coming in the future i would have to assume so um but you know want to give you know again thank you avril for coming on and you know anything you're working on anything you're excited about coming into the, the start anything i'm cooking yeah what you cooking? recipes i'm cooking yeah not really. I'll see no. you in a few months, fellas. Or maybe I won't. I don't, I don't fucking know anymore. We'll see. <laughs> well, hopefully we see you in a few months. That would be that would be a, a, a big hope. Uh, but you're not doing anything? Nothing going on? Uh, refreshing my email inbox every day is my normal Fair. activity. Fair. I get that. <laughs> I get that. Yes, good for you. Anything coming down the pipeline? I know, obviously, the, the, the player panel was a pretty resounding success. Yeah, and so, like, I got a couple of uh, of player interviews lined up right after. Um, going to delve a little bit into Toronto Defiant. Then I wanted to get the ominous great take on balance player on for an interview. I'll, I'll reach out after my break. And then, yeah, I'm looking who, forward to... Which of the who? The, the, yeah, player, the Overwatch League player with the greatest balance takes. Consistently. Uh, oh, okay. I'll I'll give you the name after the podcast. You might know already. Um, but in Reiner on, I got you. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> or <was> Sam. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Otherwise, like definitely now getting into the groove and wanting to make the transition into the pro am as painless as possible going forward, starting next week. Right on. All right. If you if you had the obstacle of making it as painful as possible, what would you do? Just um, to balance it out. Just to oh, start lying. Just start lying start, about it. Just like just say random stuff and just make shit up. Uh, yeah. Just make up roster announcements. Tweet out absolute nonsense. I also just tell just, the teams to definitely not announce rosters and then play with uh 
no name tags on in the Pro-AM. I'm just an agent of chaos. I'm just like, what would be the thing that would annoy people the most? Talk about proper and say he'll win MVP again. And just like, and then just boom, peace out. That's what I do. Uh, Sources. Odyssey pairs with Maryville to create contender super team to dominate Pro-AM. This is is a good one. What if no Overwatch League team actually opts to play their pro team in the Pro-AM? What, sorry, what they 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 don't want to play the prime? Yeah, but what I mean, what if they just sign like folks on to play the pro am for them, so they don't have to compete against contenders? Oh, that is so lame, dude. That is so lame. I read the assignment. Find the teams, bro. Find the teams. I don't care. Like, uh, yeah. Except the chaotic side of me is like, do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> I would be surprised as like, possible. Some teams that do have some subs, like do try to throw them out there, get them some play time. You know, I, I that wouldn't. Shock right, this is gonna me. this is gonna be preseason in 2018 all over again with Snow and Joe Meister actually saw play I wonder, time. I do have to wonder. But there again, like I think you, I think you both kind of like brought up a really good point where it's just like nobody wants to lose to contenders. Like that, that I think that's just motivation enough to like at least get over those games. It's 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 one of those situations where you know, like in stage four, uh, season two, where Repel suddenly played about uh, over yeah. Twilight, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, is he better?" And ever like, no, this dude just like they are qualified. Like, why not just let him play and probably <laughs> f- fulfill some bonuses on his contract of mandatory good. games? Like, why? <laughs> No, like Repel was better than Twilight in Stage Four. Don't you remember he played? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, Twilight needs a home. We got some teams in APAC that he'll have one. He'll what? have one. Twilight is signed. Oh, that's right. I'm... Yeah, yeah, why, have one well, Boston. why is this podcast just a whole of not remembering Boston exists as a team Bro, while everyone else is hyped? This season's just been a little chaotic, okay? Bear with me. All right. It's been a minute. I genuinely forgot. That's actually crazy. Anyways. I genuinely forgot Boston exists. Twilight. It's hard to remember that they, that team has such hitters. Everill, Twilight or Izaki. Oh, shit. <laughs> Izaki's got the roll star, though. So. Yeah. Fuck okay. it. Also, Iziaki plays more than Anna. There you go. I know that's going to piss off all the Twilight fans. So that's why I said it. That's why I said it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Twilight We're all day. Up. We're getting out of here. <laughs> Episode 282. Instagram. We love you. See you next time. Peace.